Hey guys, welcome to the Bag and Boardcast episode number 435. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a usually weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we're looking forward to coming out February 17th. 2020, I forget, 2021? You did, you did Oprah, Oprah way. Oprah, 2021! That's it. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we bought and read in January 2021. We didn't we didn't necessarily buy them and read them in January. A lot of, a lot of these I just read today, <laughs> which is in February. But we're going to be talking about some of DC's future state books with The Flash, number one, Nightwing, number one, Dark Detective, number one, and Superman Metropolis, number one, Marvel's Eternals, number one, and Star Wars The High Republic, number one. Yeah. And you know why we bring you all those number ones, listeners? Because we think you're number one. And you know what else we think is number one? Drinking! Yeah. I, I didn't really have a segment. Uh, John, you you have the outlier beer if you want to. I do. Uh, so I'm drinking from local brewery uh, Community Beer Works. And this is There Is No Off Season. This is a dry hopped Kavik Ale. Uh, this is basically a like a blonde ale or a Pilsner, like a Pilsner Ale that's brewed with a Norwegian yeast. That's a really strong yeast that, uh, you basically take a Pilsner and you make an, make an ale with it because of this yeast and uh, how it's, um, you, you do it instead of doing a, a cold fermentation, you can do a warm and, uh, it's really good. Um, I've probably had a Kavik at some time. Um, but it probably didn't stick with me cause it, it seems brand new, uh, as a term, um, but this is really delicious. It kind of has that saison um, when you get a little bit of those kind of fruity notes with the 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 farm house, horse blanket kind of taste. Um, it's not none of the horse blanket, but kind of that saison fruitiness. Really smooth. The dry hopping is nice on it. Um, all around, this is a really just really nice drinking beer. Um, so when you were talking about that, it just sparked a memory. Um, and I just want to apologize to everybody. I'm the reason that we haven't recorded an episode in like an extra week and a half. Well, we took, uh, we took some time off for, for Paul, who was going through some stuff. Uh, and that's when John and I recorded our two latest episodes of the movie fix. But then the week after that, I was just terrible about scheduling stuff. But in that time, I managed to go to Universal Studios for their annual Mardi Gras Fest. Don't fail me now. Feet don't fail me now. Uh, and this year, since they're not doing like the full on parades and like concerts and stuff, they actually almost have like a little mini food festival set up where there's different booths and you can go try sample dishes, like five to six bucks for like a plate. It's, you know, kind of like tapas style. Um, very similar to any of the festivals if you've ever been to Epcot for like their food and wine, flower and garden, festival of the arts type things. And they had a like Germany kind of like. Oktoberfest one and I was like yeah of course I'm going to get that because they had uh, like schnitzel on a pretzel bun with like homemade like potato chips and there was like a bratwurst and they had like Bavarian pretzel but then they had a couple like authentic 
German beers there too. And I can't remember what they were. I checked that into them on Untapped, but I'm not going to do that legwork. But one of them was basically like a Saison style. And the guy who was saying like, ah, it's crazy. People like that beer. They say it tastes like banana bread. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Imagine that. Like it was kind of one of those Ron Swanson, I know more than you kind of moments. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, thanks. For, thanks for the heads up, bro. Like, well, I'll keep an eye out for that. Long story, not a lot of pay out there, but it's okay. Because um, Paul and I are actually drinking the same beer. And this is coming to us from a Buffalo-based brewery. And this is from Thin Man Brewing. And this is their Pills Mafia Pilsner. And listener, you might be thinking, oh, how sweet. The guys sent Chris beer to remember home. No, they did not. I actually was able to find Thin Man Brewing at my local beer store here uh, in Orlando, Florida for some reason, which is really exciting because they had this and the next two beers that I'll be having later on in the episode. Uh, it was just a real shocking moment for me to actually see these down here. And I sent John a picture of the fact that I had, uh, I can't remember if it was Trial by Wombat or Minky Boodle that I sent you first. And you were like, check the date on it. And I looked, <laughs> I looked and I was like, oh, this is like canned like a week and a half ago. Like this is, this is still pretty new. Um, so yeah, I don't know how it got down here uh, looking at this one. So this one's from January 11th, 2021. But again, Found these a while ago. When's yours from, so Paul? Mine. Okay. So, cheers. Same batch. Um, <laughs> but super weird. And then, John, like you kind of had some interesting information just on how breweries are making this beer, but they're not open. So they might be sending it out to places. Yeah. So, so many places are closed, and you expect, like, on a tank, most of your stuff. If you're not doing a huge, um, widespread release of your beer, everything's going to get kegged. It's going to get kegged for your brewery. It's going to get kegged for bars in your area. But if you're no longer allowed to have a certain amount of volume through there, and like here in Buffalo, bars have been closed for quite a while, you're going to have these opening lines of distribution because you can make this beer you've might've made this beer already and aren't allowed to keg it because it's just going to go bad. So why wouldn't you can it and start dist- distributing it farther? And sometimes it's signing with a different distributor or signing with uh, or your distributor has the ability to push it farther. And that's going to be what you're going to do. And we've seen that with Paul, like, um, in uh, over the summer, we started getting three Floyds up here. Mm-hmm. That was part of their thing. They actually closed one of their brew houses because they couldn't sustain yeah. the the brew house. So they opened up these markets that, you know, it would have been a joke to even think that we would even get it. Um, same thing with Equilibrium. Lots of breweries, not only that, are also shipping their beer. A lot of the states changed their laws to allow the breweries to ship ship beer now. And uh, when Chris sent me these pictures, and I was we had a kind of a laugh about it, I I texted my Thin Man rep and was like, "Hey man, a buddy of mine says he he's got your beer down in Orlando." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot we did that. Yeah, we've been shipping it as far as we can because yeah. the the I think um, the one brewery where they because it." 
Thin Man has two breweries or two bars. The one's only open like three days a week. So, and most of it is only for retail. You can come in, you can get a, a crowler or buy cans and go. So, yeah, it's kind of fun that you're able to, Chris is able to get Thin Man down there now. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting and it's just the market and the world that we're in right now. Yeah, so I was excited to see that. Um, even though like these are beers that I've had before just being up in Buffalo, um, there's nothing stand out about Pills Mafia. Again, it's named for the Bills Mafia. It's a Pilsner style beer. The can's very Buffalo uh, football fan oriented. People crashing through tables. Poncho Bill is on there. So, you know, fun taste at home. I thought it was exciting just to just to have this, even though it's not going to be my go-to beer. Um, it's just a cool little thing. I was like, oh, I'm able to get something from Buffalo that I never expected to see down in Orlando. I think it's a decent Pilsner. I, I honestly hardly drink Pilsners. Yeah, see, and that's how I can't tell you if it's like a decent Pilsner because it's just, it's a Pilsner for me. Like I can't, I don't drink enough of them. But the thing is, it doesn't have a bad metallic aftertaste. So score one, (laughs) Uh, it's easy drinking Uh, and it's 4.9%. So almost 5% on that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's decent. I think this would be a nice summertime beer. It would uh, quench my thirst. I think it's quenchy. I think it's not the quenchiest, but I think uh, it will quench you, uh, to, so, uh, to quote Saka. Um, it's de- yeah, I, I enjoy this. I'm glad I have a four-pack. Unfortunately, um, I wasn't in the best place to purchase beer today. Uh, I was at a Topps <laughs> supermarket. So there's no, there was no option for a onesie twosie kind of scenario. So you know, I, I picked up four, pa- picked up four packs, and I'm just happy that this wasn't completely out of date. So <laughs> yeah, I I will say, uh, just because of about my other two, just because of the de- uh, delay in recording, I had actually bought the three beers I'm having tonight a couple weeks ago. But then, just because I had some time off from work, uh, I drank them. So when I went to my beer store the other day. I just bought more. Like I had no problems buying a second can of this because you know it's it's good enough. Like starting off with it just because it was something I could drink while we're sitting around doing our you know pre-show discussions and catch-up talk. So that's that's fine. Just drinking it as like a hangout beer. I might play with syrups and flavor additives with this. You know, just it's a yeah, it's a pilsner. I mean, it's. It's a pilsner, and I think it would take it would do if I wanted to do a flavor additive like blueberry or something like that. Like, I think it would take. Yeah, well. I mean, you see people do that with Kolsch's and pilsners all the time. I mean, Genesee's got you know the summer, the summer belongs to them with their grapefruit Kolsch. So, mm-hmm. so I got three cans. I'm I might as well you know do some science yeah. experiments. I'm no dragon. No. Of science. I mean, there's only two of them. Chris, how was that Warhead beer? Um, so, yeah, that was something I was interested in seeing if you guys had seen them at all. We have them it. up here. Every um, time I look to go and buy them, they, they're sold out because people have like, been going crazy for it. Um, so it came as a four-pack, and it was from Artisanal 
Ales, I think was their name. Um, I don't have my check-in in front of me. But four-pack of pint cans. There was a blue raspberry, lemon, black cherry, and watermelon. And they're all inspired by the Super Sour Warheads candy. Uh, I went through and drank them in the order that I think I would have enjoyed them least to best. So I started off with the lemon one. And the lemon one did kind of have that lemon head, like, candy taste to it. Then after that, I did the blue raspberry, which it just tasted like a blue raspberry icy that you had left in your car and it melted. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to drink the blue raspberry icy water. Then I did the watermelon, which tasted just like watermelon candy. And then black cherry, which was a little bit medicine-y, but I think that one was like my second favorite after the watermelon. Uh, then blue raspberry, the number three, and then the lemon was... My least favorite of the four, but again, I expected it to be. So I started off with that one, but it was a fun night. I mean, it was, I think like four to five percent each, so it wasn't a big deal to like split those between like two people. Uh, four of them in one night was nothing, but it was a fun experience just to try them. But I don't think I would buy any of them again just to have as like a porch beer or to have in the fridge for drinking while I'm like reading comics or playing games or anything, but. For something like this, where we're going to sit around and talk about beers, like, yeah, it was fine. And was it the Weinstefan or uh, Crystal Weiss beer? Yes. Yes, I it was. I pulled up your tap. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Paul, you have a question? Oh, oh, Just nope, raised nope. your hand. <laughs> well, my React, my React, like, selector thing on Skype, for nobody that cares, uh, is still pulled up, and it won't like pull back down so it's like right in the middle of chris's head it's really annoying um so I was john you have a question no. anyways so moving on uh <laughs> there's some stuff that happened over the past couple of weeks if we're not going to talk about everything but you no know, there's a couple of stuff uh news stories that i think are worth taking a quick look at and since i'm also bad at uh you know getting these posted and edited on time i'm going to start saying the date that we're recording this on so that way when breaking news breaks in between it, us recording and me posting it people are aren't uh, being like why didn't they talk about it so we're recording on february 17th 2021 uh yeah and we the big news chris what did you want to start with you brought all the news to the table uh, i you went out to the news guard I, I was the one that brought the harvest to the table uh i think a couple of things that really struck me. Uh, we got our second look at the Zack Snyder cut coming to HBO Max for his Justice League movie. And having not seen the Snyder Whedon version of the movie, I don't know how much of this is actually like new footage. Because some of this stuff looks familiar just from what I have seen in the other Justice League trailers. Um, there's not enough here to make me feel like I need to watch this one or that I missed out on seeing Justice League when it came out like three years ago, though. Yeah. And like, I know this one, they said like Snyder had came out to say like, this one's not going to be as jokey. It's not going to be as funny, but the jokey funniness is what made that Justice League entertaining and it made it fun and it made it better than Batman versus Superman. Um, and 
I will probably watch it. I will probably watch it because I, I'm interested to see what his take's going to be on this. And it's not going to be like, I'm going to kick down doors. It's not going to be day it releases. I got to see it. But I am interested in seeing where this guy is going to go with it, what his original vision was and the fact that they're going to allow him to shoot more material and do extra things. What is he going to do about it? But at the same, in the same mindset, this is a guy who fundamentally, fundamentally does not understand these characters. And it's not, it's not a justice league movie. It's, a bastardization of these characters and a poor example of that. What was the team that came out like in the early two thousands, late, like the extreme justice league, like, but they weren't called justice league, but they're, they were like a kill squad. I can't even, Oh, you have a, you have the internet in front of you. I do have the internet front of me but that's what i'm saying it just seems like one of those it's his extreme late 90s early squadron supreme kind of thing yeah kind of like that like like the authority like that was like late 90s i think Mm -hmm. yeah see i never got into any of that kind of oh we're a darker take on the superheroes that you grew up with because we don't give a fuck like I've, i've never been that kind of like comic book reader and that's something that Mark Millar does a lot too, where it's like, oh, well, he's Batman, but what if Batman was crazy and bad? It's like, well, Batman's already kind of crazy, but yeah. he, like murdering doesn't make him a more interesting character at that. Not a fan. It seems like if any other Superman from any other take of Superman was to see Zack Snyder's Superman... He'd be like, "Oh, I gotta stop yeah. him!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like he's he's Magog from Kingdom Come. It's not he, he isn't you know Superman, and I, I don't want to begrudge anybody from enjoying this take on on these comic book heroes if they I, enjoy enough it. enough people. I think had a big enough outcry that we're getting this, and. You know, I hope they enjoy it. I hope, it's, but it isn't for me. And things not being for me is fine. Not everything needs to be tailored, taste tailored to me. Because I got the CW Flash, man. I, you know, I, that's I still find that fun and entertaining. I had the first three seasons <laughs> of Smallville. That's fine. Like, Paul, know, I, I mean, you have those first three seasons, but you have the other uh, eight seasons that came after it too on DVD. I, I think so. You got you got that as well. I got that. You know that I will eventually get through. I never got through them all. <laughs> Do it. Uh, I got. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting uh, Star Girl. That's also on CW HBO Max. I got really good. Watch that, John. I'm saying it's really good. I'm excited for that. There's enough out there to keep me busy and enjoying these characters that I don't need the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League to feel like I'm a DC fan. I think I'm a fan, and I and I think the people that enjoy the Snyder cut will are DC fans too. 
It's fine. It's we don't all have to agree and like everything that each other likes to all go to the soda fountain and order, you know, sodas and be like, hey, that's vanilla is my favorite flavor. Oh, chocolate's mine. Cool. We're all here eating our ice cream, drinking our sodas. It's cool. Yeah, I agree. It's, I may get to this eventually, but again, after watching Wonder Woman 84, I'm less enthused about any of the other DC like, cinematic universe stuff than I was even after deciding to pass on Justice League because I don't this is just isn't a world that I'm happy in I think yeah and I mean I've seen all of them I've seen all of them once except for the original Wonder Woman Aquaman and Harley Quinn and um, the Birds of Prey. The Birds of Prey. Or the Emancipation. Emancipation, Harley Emancipation of Har- one Harley Quinn. Uh, and all those Prey. movies are entertaining enough. But when we sit down to do our DC, when we sit down to do the DC movie retrospective, I have to watch all those movies again for a second time. And I'm not going to be happy about it because it's like I've I've seen it once. I wasted my <laughs> I wasted my fucking time once. Uh... <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, I just, uh, I just took I'm, a sip. I'm just excited to watch all the Batman, you know, the Batman movies again. Just all of them, <laughs> except for Batman v Superman. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm talking Batman Returns, Batman and Robin. Bat, you know, Batman Dark Knight. <laughs> well, that's okay, because uh, someone else you won't have to ever watch again. Uh, Dustin Diamond passed away. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to do the, the, the Carla... Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I was I was going back and forth between both of them in my mind. Um, but yeah, it had just been announced like four or five days prior to that that uh, best known for his portrayal of... Samuel Screech Powers on Saved by the Bell. Uh, Dustin Diamond had cancer and he'd been working through that. And then it literally just like right after that story broke, like the next day he had passed away from it. Um, mm. Definitely someone that people don't seem to miss being in like the public spotlight or being present in other uh, TV shows or movies. Even when they did the, What's the CBS All Access? That's it, right? All Access? Yeah. yeah. They're direct it, streaming? It's going to be Paramount Plus soon, but it's C- CBS All Access. Uh, but when they did the Saved called. by the Bell relaunch series, he was not brought back onto it. They kind of hand-waved him not being on the show by saying, oh, Screech is working on the International Space Station right now. Kind of Fuller House, like, oh, yeah, your sister Michelle wishes she could be here, but, you know... <laughs> She's doing She's doing things like um and it doesn't seem like there's much love lost between him and the rest of the cast and I honestly forgot about him even as someone that watched Saved by the Bell growing up and has two yes two Kelly Kapowski t-shirts um Screech is always just kind of the worst character uh and then it just seemed like Dustin Diamond kind of got stuck in that 
oh, well, I'm going to try to distance myself from this role as much as possible. And that was kind of to his detriment while other people tried to like move past and grow in other ways. I mean, maybe Elizabeth Berkeley didn't do the best job of it with showgirls, but you know, they still brought her back for the relaunch series. But, and, uh, was it the guy who played Zach? I mean, he's had a, a, a couple ups and downs with his career. He's constantly been on different TV shows. He was on um, NYPD Blue. Uh, he was excellent on uh, on that as one of the detectives. Um, he had that weird... He's n- on the one, uh, the spinoff for ABC's Blackish right now. I can't remember which yeah. one it is. Because that, like, yeah. I've never... It's mixed-ish, or it's one of them. Um, I've never watched it because I just I don't watch TV shows that aren't something that I've usually already watched, or you know, it's not kind of like that nerd wheelhouse. Um, yeah, it's like a television gap that you have. <laughs> yes. Well, bringing it back to what we talked about off-show. Um, way to go! It is a sitcom at that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's had enough of a career. I. Uh, AC Slater, Mario Lopez. I sorry, could not remember his name. Uh, he does like extra he does. or Access Hollywood or something. It's like one of those behind the scenes. Like, oh, now we're going to talk to so and so on the set he's, of this movie. Thanks. He's Don. never like, left like the public eye. He's always had something. He was on E Entertainment, on an extra. Like he's always just been around. I, he's had shows on like the Animal Channel. He's like, I hear this phrase like in British television and Australian television, he's like a presenter. Like Hmm. that's like he, if you had to describe him, Oh, he's a presenter. He just presents stuff on TV. He's not quite a host. He's the same thing as like, uh, what is that? Uh, Alfonso, um, who's Carlson. Yeah. Alfonso Ribeiro. He's, he's host of this game show. He's host of this. He's doing this. Like he's constantly doing stuff. Doesn't he do, America's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is he doing that now? Yeah. He does. But he was doing. But I think both of both of them, like Mario Lopez and Alfonso Ribeiro, both have like a likability yeah. to them that you see them like you're just like, oh, cool. Yeah. And AC Slater just did the uh, Lifetime movie where he played Colonel Sanders, <laughs> which I I saw the commercials for that. and I definitely wanted to check it out. I just don't know where it's I probably you probably find it. I just need to. TV Even if it was up. just a commercial and it wasn't real, I would be happy with oh, it. Oh, I think it was like oh, I think it was like a short movie. Like it was like eleven or twelve. I think minutes. it's like I think it's longer than thing. that. I think it's like an hour. You guys know there's a Colonel Sanders dating sim app uh, game, right? Uh, I'm not surprised by that. It's on like uh, you can download it on Steam. I'm sure there's probably an iOS and Android version as well. But yeah. Uh, so it's called. I liked how we eulogized Dustin Diamond by talking about everybody else. And that's basically longer. that's basically all you can say is because he just took his life in the wrong direction, and sometimes you just can't recover from that. Uh, and which will also segue into the next story. Um, but it was called A Recipe for Seduction, and it was 16 minutes, and it's available to watch on the KFC YouTube channel. So yeah, I'll be doing that later. <laughs> um, but speaking about just kind of ruining a good thing for yourself. Uh, Cara Dune actress Gina, uh, Gina Carano, who you may know from her uh, UFC MMA days, fired from 
Lucasfilm's The Mandalorian will not be coming back for season three or the kind of supposed spinoff show that they were going to be doing with her too, um, due to statements that she was making on social media. Uh, we've talked about this kind of stuff before, most notably, I think, with the firing of oh James, my God, James Gunn. James Gunn, yeah, I was going to say uh, Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn. Uh, but the thing for him is he kind of distanced himself from what happened and made his apologies and was kind of like, yeah, you know what? Said a lot of stupid things, you know. I was... I worked for Trauma Films. I was trying to be edgy, you know what? And, you know, I've kind of matured past that. And he kind of played the good soldier until, like, four years after his firing. Like, they were like, okay, you know what? Like, come on back in. Like, here's here's the keys to the Guardian's car again. And I don't even think it was, like... I think it was, like, two... Wasn't it, like, two years? It was really pretty short how... Because it was enough time for him to be fired when he was starting to work on like the script for Guardians 3 that he was able to start working on the new Suicide Squad movie and then like do everything for that and then like work on like the TV show, like pre-production stuff, and then got brought back in to start writing the script now, which is not starting production yet because I think everyone that's going to be in it is still appearing in... in Thor, so they're yeah. like doing all that work first. Um, and they're, I think they're going to be shooting soon because I think they're all bubbled in Australia, right? Yeah, like that's the whole plan. And yeah. I mean, the other thing too is it was something that he had said years ago, and he had a it was, it was lots of things yes. that he had said, <laughs> and he had come out and apologized about it previous, previous to even being hired at uh, Disney. And then when they got brought back up, he again apologized for it. Where with Gina, she'd been making statements. They kind of said, hey, cool it. Take some of these posts down. Hey, I think we, I thought we told you to cool it. Could you take these posts down? We're going to give you one more warning. That when they finally yeah. did it, when something, it made sense, like, it seemed like they gave you enough warnings about it. And something else that I didn't realize until like all the stuff started happening was that she wasn't told to do any of the kind of press stuff to support Mandalorian season two coming out when everyone else was, you know, kind of being paraded out to do that kind of thing just because they're like, eh, step back, which I don't blame them for doing. I can't disparage any mm-hmm. big media company, especially like a, family entertainment media company not wanting to associate themselves with someone who, you know, is saying some some things, whether you agree with it or not, but can be kind of incendiary. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't we can't control what you say when you're off the clock, but we're not going to put you on the clock yeah. and, let, and give you a, 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 a podium to which to say these things. And it's cr- kind of crazy. Pedro Pascal has a sister that's trans. And she's like, you know, does the whole, like, oh, my pronouns are beep, bop, boop. And it's like, it's just in bad, you know, I don't, it, there's a lot of backlash. Hey, this is silencing conservative voices. I don't think it's, I don't think Disney or anybody else would have a problem with her voicing her opinion about things if 
her if she voiced it in good taste. Mm-hmm. Like everybody got on uh, uh, Kathy Lee uh, Kathy, Griffin. What's it? Oh, uh, K- Kathy Griffin. Yeah, okay, yeah, because that was in bad taste. Yeah, I oh, fully agree. Severed head, awful. The jokes that James Gunn was making. Those were in bad taste. Uh, yes, Affleck you know? uh, firing um, Gilbert Godfrey. Godfrey. Like he made a Godfrey. he made a really bad joke in in bad taste, and they let him go immediately after that joke was out. I forgot about that too, but um, this, yeah, uh, Lucasfilm because Lucasfilm makes that decision. It wasn't uh, Disney, you know, CEOs. It was. Lucasfilm made that decision. They're the ones that I'm assuming because they're the ones that came out with the press release saying she's no longer involved with Lucasfilm. They gave her warnings. There, you know, there was you know in Vanity Fair and everything else. They're like, hey, they, you know, she was brought in to be talked to. Like there were reports, it might not have been Vanity Fair. I'm forgetting where it was, but you know, with some of the stuff she was doing, and Roseanne Barr, the same thing mm-hmm. happened with uh, ABC and Disney. It's like, no, they, they talk to her like, hey, be careful what you're say- saying and how you're saying it. Like, I think there's ways that, she, okay, she's anti-mask. Okay. There's a way to say that without being in- insensitive to, we're looking at 400,000 deaths here in the United States. Uh, comparing the plight of people to the Jews being killed during the Holocaust. Yeah, probably not the yes. best. It's not... Find a better way. If you, if you have to equate any argument to the Nazis or the Holocaust, like, you mm-hmm. find a, a better soapbox to stand on. Like, just yeah. don't do not do it. Find find a better way. You know, and she, I, I believe she is a very smart person. You know, she is an intelligent person. I, I really enjoyed her on The Mandalorian. I'm going yeah. to be sad that she's not part of it. As that character, because I don't know her as a person, I wish she could have framed her arguments in a better, more tasteful way. And that's that's where I'm sad that we 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 end up in this, these situations where the most incendiary talk is what's raised and not the actual heart of the issue or the, you know discussion. We can't actually get there. Yeah, go so, ahead. No, I was going to say, John, you look like you have something, because I was going to like pose a question to kind of well, move out yeah, to the next thing. My, my so thing is, too, is like in Disney's comment, like they referred to her stuff as like abhorrent. Like it really must have hit a couple people and really just was like, th- we. what she's saying is she's making some statements. And there's a lot of people like, like you said, you know, She's making reference to Nazis and Jews and John Favreau, Jewish gentleman. You know, like there's a lot of people that she made comments that probably really struck some people that said, like, you know, let's not have her back. And that's basically what they said is we will not be bringing her back to play this character. Yeah. And so would you go ahead? Go ahead. Would you prefer that they uh, recast and bring someone else in or just kind of? write her out like oh she's doing what she needs to do on i forget the plant navarro or wherever her and a uh, grief cargo were uh i i would say you could just write her off but then i saw somewhere somebody was like oh you should have lucy lawless uh recast her with lucy lawless and i was like 
you know what? I think that might be a better I choice. See, I can see that. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I, I kind of like you were saying, I do like that character, Paul. Like, mm-hmm. like right from the get-go, I was like, okay, like, she's badass. She's cool. Like, especially, um, I don't remember the episode number because now it's been like a couple of months since I, I watched it. But the episode where they're kind of attacking the Imperial base. And, like, they're all in the elevator, and, like, her gun's jammed, and she's, like, slamming it on the floor. And, like, it finally clicks, and she just kind of gives them that look. It's like, all right. And then, like, the door opens. Yeah. I, such a great moment. Like, so badass. So cool. Like, and now I'm afraid we're not going to be getting that kind of character. But, you know, we have someone like Fennec Shad now who can kind of mm-hmm. fill that role. And I'm all here for anyways. Yeah, it's Star Wars. Like I was saying with the DC Universe. Star Wars Galaxy is pretty wide. And, yeah. You know, we can bring in a different character. We don't know what third season of The Mandalorian is really going to bring. You know, they were. I think they were very smart to not to just give us in that investor call the titles of the thing, not like what's actually going to happen with the Rangers of the Republic. Like, that could be anything. They could write in a whole new character. We don't know how much has been written for season three of The Mandalorian. We got the Book of Boba coming out in between. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I wish I could watch those episodes again without knowing what was happening with her, like on social media, because I was blissfully unaware Mm -hmm. that she was, you know, that she was making these kind of crazy. Well, I had, I had heard stuff before, but but I'm able enough to like separate like the actor from the action. Like it, it didn't bother me too much because I all that stuff's just kind of on the periphery for me like I don't pay attention to any social media outside of you know my friends and family like that's that's the most of it Uh, but then something else that we got released on social media just today actually was the trailer for Disney's uh, Cruella movie starring Emma Stone any any thoughts on it the devil really wears Parada? <laughs> the, the one thing I have to say I, is Emma Stone... I'm just happy Paul made that reference because I'm sure other people are going to be doing it and then we'll know Paul is the one we, that we, actually... We timestamped this. Yeah. Coined it. I tamped- 8, 8.47 p.m. December 17th, 2021. I think Emma Stone sounds and looks great in it, but I don't... I watched that trailer and I'm like... I don't under, I don't understand what this movie's about. And there's Dalmatian dogs, and I'm like, all right, she, this is a prequel, though, right? She's supposed to be an older woman with the Dalmatians. Like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what this is all about, and why it needs to be made. But I think she looks and sounds yeah. great in it. Agreed. I read a tagline for it before I watched the trailer. And the tagline, if you guys don't mind me speaking. No, because I, I did not see what this tagline was, so please enlighten uh, me. Her name, she doesn't go by Cruella first. Uh, she comes to London as an aspiring uh, fashion designer. But, you know, she has to scrape her way by to survive, you know, by being a little bit of a misfit, a little bit of a scamp, you know, doing some crimes. And she falls in with two. Uh, you know, low-level thieves. Horace and Jasper. 
I, I remember. Uh, I, it's been years since I've seen 101 Dalmatians, but Absolutely. I remember their names. Uh, and through chance happenings, she uh, gets taken under the wing by Emma Thompson's character, who is the, you know, the creme de la creme uh, fashion designer at, at that time. So, so, sorry, and, Paul, we're going to take a pause so we can edit this. Her name's Cruella DeVille, not creme de la creme. <laughs> sorry. Oh. You, mis- you misspoke. Uh, uh, but she, and she is just uh, uh, very mean, very straightforward, just. Sorry. I was, I was happy with that one. Uh, uh, and she just berates uh, Emma Stone's character and, and everything. And this is basically then Cruella kind of snaps and beca- she becomes Cruella and, and seeks vengeance upon the person that she's learned how to. Okay, so I get your reference before now because it is kind of like an alternate reality reality Devil Wears Prada. Mm-hmm. Instead of, okay. instead of uh, Anne Hathaway being like, you know what? I don't want this kind of life. It's like Anne Hathaway snapping and be like, no, <laughs> I want this life, and I will destroy you to get it. Uh, I woke up to this trailer this morning and watched it, and I was like, okay, that's that's a movie trailer. Um, by the end of it, I was so kind of tuned out. Is this going to be theatrical or is this Disney Plus? Because I honestly like theatrical. Theatrical, okay. "Quote unquote theatrical," because um, again, we did get an kind of not something we talked about, but we did get another trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon, which has been announced as premiere access on Disney Plus. So it's going to be like the live action Mulan was, where you you pay the fee for it. I, I'm assuming it's going to be a thirty dollar upcharge again, um, available for free streaming a couple months down the road. But that will also be in theaters March 6th. So I I'm, think I'm still fine with paying that $30. I mean, I got my my watch out of Mulan. I was okay with it. I'm, if they put it up free, that'd be fine. If they released it in theaters and came out later on Disney+, Plus, not like day and date, I still haven't been to a movie theater since I saw Onward last year in March. I don't, I don't think I would go for this. I think I would wait for it to come up free anyways. And I don't think I'm going to pay to go see Cruella. I think this is one that I'm, I'm fine with waiting for. Yeah. Uh, I'm more interested. No, go ahead, Bob. Go ahead, John. I'm more interested in watching Cruella being a fan of Emma Stone. And she looks like it's going to be a lot of fun for her to just enjoy going unhinged and crazy. Like that kind of like rise and fall story that I think this movie's going for, versus Ryan Last Dragon. Which I feel like we, about. you and I, have had this conversation oh. before, Paul, Sorry. about her being fun in this, and you being on the opposite side of that. <laughs> uh, Paul, have you watched the Ryan and the Last Dragon trailer? No, I didn't. Okay, uh, Paul, did you like Moana? Yeah. Do you like, like Mulan? It. I make I hey I make I make my way from Mulan. Do you like Mulan? I, Mulan the live action Mulan animated 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 was good. okay. Uh, do you like Avatar: The Last Airbender? I love Avatar: The Last Airbender. I, How dare you, sir? I think you. I brought that here. I think you might like this movie because it kind of looks like <laughs> like the peanut butter and chocolate of those three like franchises in a way. It, it looks it, it looks, looks really, really good. good too. It's one of those things that. 
if when it comes out, if I hear good things, it'll be a Friday night with Caitlin and I like sitting down and watching it because it does look a lot of fun and it looks it looks really good. Unfortunately for me, I have like I give blood regularly, so I have movie passes that I have not been able to use. What does it have to do with the price of tea in China? Like it's the price of premier access for a movie. Like, okay, so I'm gonna pay thirty bucks, but I'm I'm not gonna pay thirty bucks to watch a new movie because I don't even pay real money to watch in theater. You don't even go see new movies unless it's like, Hey Paul, we're going, do you wanna go? Yeah, maybe. I'll go. I'll go. Exactly. So, even if I'm home and there's an option to watch a new movie for thirty dollars, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. And yeah, that's 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 the price. So, five dollars would be too much. You're you're fine waiting till it's free. And I yeah. I probably would be fine, but. These are boring times, and there's only so much you can watch. And it's a new movie that's out, so it'd be like, "Hey, spend thirty dollars and watch this." Okay, what else are we gonna do? We're not going out to eat. We're not. <laughs> we're not doing anything. Let's let's watch this movie. Do you know how many video games I have just there, <laughs> just off screen, just over there on this? Stupid arcade cabinet that I built <laughs> that I have not played. <laughs> There's so much for me to do <laughs> that I have not done. I'm like the opposite of Hamilton. <laughs> you guys can keep on waiting. I'm not going to do anything of it. <laughs> There's a million things I haven't done. Was there anything else uh, that you guys wanted to talk about? Or are we ready to head into the next segment, next beer? I do like that we had like four things to talk about for news. And we're like 45 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> side, side chatter. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, we're a lot of friends. We're yeah, friends no, I know. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about our beers. Yeah. Uh, John, you, again, have the outlier beer. I'd already purchased beers, and Chris was like, oh, hey, let's do these. And I didn't have time to go out. I... I think we had decided a while ago that we were going to be doing these because you were like, oh, I, we can all do Thin Man I brought beers. it up, and then Chris was like, I kind of bought these Sidewards beers, so I kind of want to do these. And it was like, all right, whatever. And that was two weeks ago. <laughs> and then my dog died. <laughs> and then we didn't record a podcast. And then Chris had to go to Universal. <laughs> And drink all the Sideward beers, and now yeah. he's left with just the Thin Man beers yeah. that he then went out and bought again. So, Com- I- I'm committed to the now. game. That's all. Yeah. If I buy beer, I'm going to drink it. That's it. And if I drink it, I'll buy yeah. more. I, I brought more. I bought beer story. previous, and I didn't remember to buy Thin Man. And you said last night as I was falling asleep on a recliner, "Hey, I got Thin Man beers." And I was like, "Well, I'm not going out to buy them." But what I did buy was Equilibrium, their MC squared double IPA. Uh, I don't know. It's 8%. Very delicious. Nice kind of lemony grapefruit pop on it. Um, I've 
been making myself stop drinking this because I think at the beginning of news, I started, I opened this and I've been drinking it and it goes down way too smooth, very delicious. Um, and I'm very happy that we're able to get equilibrium beers in our area now because I've, I've enjoyed almost everything I've had from them. I think I've had about five or six beers, and I think only like one or two of them I haven't been sold on. Hmm. Oh, I'm excited to try some Equilibrium beer. So it's a it's a good double IPA. You said it was a double IPA. Double IPA I'm sorry. It's got a nice little tart kind of lemony grapefruit to it on the juicy side of things. Super smooth, goes down way too easy for 8%. Uh, the beer Paul and I are drinking, though, a little bit lower than that. This also, again, from Thin Man Brewing. Uh, this is Trial by Wombat, a IPA dry hopped. Oh, no, just sorry. Regular hopped with uh, Galaxy Hop 7% ABV. Um, uh, if you are giving a speech in front of a mass group of people uh, about an election that just happened, do not suggest trial by wombat. <laughs> Don't do it. It's just no, it's in like idea. that document, uh, documentary, Game of Thrones. That's how they do it. Uh, this is, I think, a good kind of transcontinental railroad meeting of East and West IPAs because it's got a little bit of piney, but still like semi juicy. Uh, I think this is very juicy. Let me let me take it because I'm getting like. Yeah. It, it's it's got that juice to it, but then it's got like a nice hot bite to it that kind of comes oh, comes I think in. There's yeah, there's some bitterness to it, but I think it's still bitter from like a pithiness. I don't think it's a. But oh, uh, it, let's it, check the date. Uh, I got a January seventh. Uh, ooh, I have ooh February eighth. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe yours is fresher, <laughs> so you get more than I'm not. No, but I get I get that. Now I'm kind of like going a little bit harder on it, but. Yeah, I'm getting that uh, kind of grapefruit bitter, and then like almost a um, melony kind of like. Oh, I'm sorry. Is is Melanie a new friend of the show? I haven't met yet. She used to be in our board group, oh. our board game group. Oh yeah, she was great. Wait, there actually was yeah. a Melanie. Yeah. Oh. Hey, God, you're. Not, hey, God, not you're my, now I feel like my never, joke's not funny. Never, never related to the actual show though. Podcast. Oh. I miss her. I hope she's doing well. Should reach out. Tell her to uh, listen to this episode. Be like, hey, we talk about you. Make sure you're rating you. She's pregnant, Paul. Oh, good for her. Very excited. Yeah. Her and Jeff, right? Jeff is her husband's name. He's a good guy. Weird as hell. Really good guy, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I really like meeting him. I was over there for a board game day one day, and I realized that I could not keep up with them. Like just because the near cult, the culture, the uh, pop culture references they were making, I did not follow at all. Like, she's a little bit younger. She's than about me. like five to eight years like younger you. than you, but also they're like super nerds. Where you used to be a super nerd, and then you got really lazy. Yeah, I did get really lazy, and I never really got that deep into anime. So there were a lot I just couldn't keep up and I'm like, I just want to play a board game. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I couldn't keep into any conversations and I kind of felt bad. Yeah, but you know, we ate Oreos and played yeah. board games, so that was good. It was still a good day. And this is this is still a good beer. Um mm-hmm. 
again, excited I could get this down here because it's a great standard IPA. Like, there's nothing to stand out about it. I probably wouldn't drink this over any of my other, like, have-to-have-it IPAs, but it's it's a taste at home, you know? Trial by Wombat is probably up there as one of my favorite IPAs from Thin Man, especially when you can get on a regular basis. Um, I think it's a really good... It is. It is. It's a really good IPA. There are better things out there. I think if I had to have like a fridge filler, it would still probably be Founders all day because it's just oh yeah, just crushable. But I would say like, granted, this is a little bit heavier at seven percent versus like the four point five that all day is, but it's still like light enough in the taste, like. I think this is kind of crushable. Like I could probably do like two or three of these in a day. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to drink anything else. Okay. Okay, Well, yeah, if you can drink two, I don't think I would reach for, if I was going to drink two or three, I would not reach for this. Like that's, that's what my all day IPA or the new alcoholic beers that I have now in my fridge are for. Like, Hey, I want to, I want to have a beer, but I don't want to have, the alcohol hit, you know, I, I still want to be getting stuff done. I still want to be focused. I want maybe a little bit of the edge off all day IPA, you know, uh, I, I, I just want to feel like I'm drinking a beer, but I still want to be clear of mind. The athletic brew, um, this like, you know what? I just want to relax and just ease into my night. Boom. I'll drink a trial by wombat, a wrench, a, too juicy they're all interchangeable to me by right now like he he hand me any of those three and i'm sure there's more on that list than i'm forgetting juice bomb and i'd be happy i'm like juice bomb yeah uh sloop uh brewery's juice bomb um yeah you can keep on throwing them out and i will agree (laughs) but yeah this is a really nice little bit bitter, but very juicy. And unfortunately, they all kind of melt together. Like, they're all good. This is 15 bucks for a four-pack. Uh, I think I paid you know? like six ninety nine for a single. the can. Yeah. But again, like, it's not something from here. It's not, like, readily available. I'm not sure who else is going to be buying this at the beer store outside of me. Because it's just like that that name brand recognition for me. Like this was a, a treat myself kind of beer. Like the, the, the picture, the picture on the can sells the, sells the can. And you say no, Paul, but as someone who sells beer, you would be surprised how many people walk by and go, Oh my God, gross. Look at that can. Oh, can we get it? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then hopefully they like IPAs because then they get home. They're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good. I think it's a great IPA. I think that everybody else in their own locale can find a equally good if, double uh, imperial. If, if you have a this was something. A, if you yeah. have a decent brewery in your area, they make a beer as mm-hmm. good as this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my friends texted me today. There's a new brewery opening up in Orlando. Like they just started work on their place today. So 
somewhere else for me to be checking out. Uh, it's also right in the Milk District, which is where Sideward is. So once that place is open, uh, stay tuned. <laughs> I got my. <laughs> you may be getting stuff. I got my ten ten brewery shirt on. Hey, nice. I'm, I would love to go back there too. Like I feel like that's a place that I'm okay with stopping by for like a beer before we head to Sideward. And then head to like Tampa. I'm working on Kate for a 2022 February <laughs> February Orlando trip. Nice, good to know. She's like, this is the kind of this is the kind of year that I'm kind of done with winter and would like a little break. Oh, like going down to Orlando and going to Galaxy S Edge. And she's like, yeah, maybe. All right, there it is. Yeah, just keep on sliding in those. I'm going to be vaccinated soon. I might just come down and visit Chris, anyways. You know, what, you know what stinks? I work in a grocery store probably just as often as you do. And yet, I'm nowhere near getting on that list. Guys, try living in Florida, where basically when you Google, like, hey, how, how's the vaccine working? They're like, we're still thinking about <laughs> it. Like, there's there's no answers for anything. There's no corona. <laughs> but, just what's in your glass. But you know what? You know what we do have, though? Comic books. Comic books? Coming out. Today, February 17th, 2021, <laughs> and John. Sorry, sorry, you made John, me laugh at that. John, I have it written down in front of me, but what book are you looking uh, forward to? I'm looking forward to Snow Angels by Jeff Lemire and Jock, and that's basically all I had to read was Jeff Lemire and Jock are putting out a book together. I'm down for the two ninety nine for that first issue, and I am because I bought it. Uh, but this is, uh, Jeff Lemire and Jack getting back together. And this is a 10 part science fiction adventure story set in a brutal world. Uh, Milken and May, uh, have never left the trench and that's all they've ever known is living in the trench. And there's simple rules, uh, to live in the trench. You must never leave the trench. The trench provides and the trench is endless. But what happens when these two characters maybe leave the trench? So you know when someone uses a word so many times that it just kind of loses meaning? I don't think I could ever hear the word trench mm. again. But I will say, I did like their Green Arrow run back when they launched like the new 52, uh, I think. No, was that part. was uh, um, Saran- Saran- Sarantino. Uh, Andreas Sarantino. Was, oh, wait, what was the Jock Jock one? and Jock him did... Did they do a... Batman together. Jock was on Detective Comics with Snyder before the New Fifty Two, which I really enjoyed. And then that became oh, this oh, is the first time together. Jock did the Green Arrow Year One book with Andy Diggle. That's why I was yeah. thinking about him. Okay. Oh yeah. Because then yeah. Jeff Lemire did Green Arrow at a different point in time. So that's maybe I just confused those two runs. So I apologize. Yeah. Oh, no, we got there. Seven degrees is uh, separation. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this book. So there's a book I'm looking forward to. You just need to check the cover and see. Oh, Havoc's on the cover? Automatic purchase for Paul. I want to interrupt you for one second because it says. Love this comic. Read the short story. Start the saga with a 21-page short story by Jeff Lemire. 
featuring cover art by Jock, presented by Amazon Original Stories. Fuck that. Are we going to get firepowered, though? Do you think you're going to read read this and be like, oh, maybe I should read the short story, and then you read the short story and you're like, I fucking love this. It is read or listen for free with Prime and Amazon, and I have that. So, maybe I'll do that. Listen to listen to it on the way to work. Sorry, Paul, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to... There you go. It was a firepower moment. I, I felt that in my soul. Like, I... But Paul, Havoc, you say? Havoc's on the cover oh, of the book, guys. This, this X-Men book, Havoc. I saw that. X, X-Men Legends, number one. Written by uh, Fabian uh, Nicieza. And uh, art, guys, You, I know John, Chris, you both love this artist. Brett Booth. Yeah. Brett Booth. Uh, Don't know him. Of Red Hood and the Outlaws. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Teen oh, Titans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I just never know. Really. I'm gonna. I could read you guys the 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 tagline of what's happening in this, but I don't care. I don't care what's happening in the comic book. All I know is Havoc is on the cover. Four ninety nine seems like a decent price for that. Give me that story. Give but Paul, you haven't bought it uh, yet. I- no, but I will. Uh, this is something that actually was on my radar, too. And when I saw the cover for it, I was like, oh, is this like a reprint or collection type thing? And I'm going to read the very first like three lines from the solicitation from it, because I think that it bears noting just to get you into the mind frame for this book. And it says, uh, break out the yellow and blues, fire up the danger room, and snap on your pouches. As legendary X-Writers return to classic eras of the mutant superheroes in all new in-continuity stories set during their fan-favorite runs. And I think that's a really fun kind of way to tell new old stories. Uh, Before we actually started recording, and this was before you jumped on, John, I was kind of saying how this reminds me of what DC did a few years ago when they brought back creative teams from the eighties and the nineties and the sixties and the seventies to tell new stories from the decades that those creators were actually working in. And I don't know, maybe there's just something about seeing Havoc and (laughs) Jubilee and Shadowcat in like the all blue costume on a cover that just kind of, it hit me in that nostalgia bone where I was like, Oh, like this, this is fun. Like I remember walking through the supermarket and seeing a book that would look just like this in the magazine section. And then being like, Oh, I I don't have a dollar 75. Maybe, maybe my mom will still buy it for me though. Like, like and as you're walking around the grocery store, you're just looking at the floor, just hoping (laughs) somebody dropped a couple quarters here and there. And you could get that dollar 75. We've all been there. Uh, and also, now you want to load up your Sega Genesis again and just play that X Men. When I was looking at comics today, because I went through and I was like, "Oh, I'll check out what books," and mainly because I had seen um, Jeff Lemire put up a thing about Snow Angels, and then when I signed into Comicsology to read books today, uh, I was like, "Oh, Snow Angels came out today," so I clicked on it to buy it, and I was like, "Oh, look at the rest of the books," and I saw this and I went, "Oh." Paul's going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's 
That Cyclops costume is the Cyclops. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. It's the pouches on the leg. The like Like the the bandolier. 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 Like he he killed one and a half Chewbacca's in order to put that (laughs) costume together. Like I don't know what it is, but that is Cyclops to me. No, I I straight up agree with you. Uh, I'm gonna lean off camera here for a second. And he's leaning. He's leaning. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Okay, I'm not leaning. I'm back, and because I do need to show you guys this, uh, I did buy this. It's one of those gigantic fig pins. Oh, Jubilee! It's Jubilee. Like, yeah, but as, she doesn't look like a fig at all. Wah, wah. Uh, Is your mouth cold, Paul? Bad dates. <laughs> uh, bad dates. As as the world's first and only. Jubilee fan. I don't know. I'm just hoping she pops up in this book. So, Paul, are you actually going to be buying this? Will this be one of your picks for February yeah, just, look back? Yeah. Okay. Put it on my February okay, look back. I'll put it on there. Because this is something I definitely look forward to checking but you out. Still, Much like but you still pick. haven't purchased it. Uh, <laughs> am I logged in right now? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, let's do it. But something I'm looking forward to checking out, and this is actually going to be a number two, and this is a next part of a book that we read a few months ago for the look back. And this is coming from IDW publishing. And this is teenage mutant Ninja turtles. The last Ronin number two, a uh, story by the teenage mutant Ninja turtles, original creators, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, uh, art by what's his name? Isao Escorza, uh, continuing the story where you got Michelangelo as a lone Ninja turtle left in the wake. And he's trying to take out shredders, granddaughter now who's running a new foot clan in like a weird kind of gritty cyberpunky future uh i don't think i'm wrong when i say this was kind of one of our favorite books from the month where we read this i want to say it was november 2020 it's, it's been a couple months i think now. it was longer than uh, that oversight was it okay i just remember it's a while ago because when i read that one i was like okay like when's number two coming out and going forward through the solicitations because it's like, oh, it's not going to be for a bit. Uh, oversized book, it's priced at eight ninety nine, So you know you're going to be getting a little bit more uh, page count. And then also, I'm not a Ninja Turtles like, comic book fan, but there's just something about this book. It just hit right having grown up with these characters and always had that kind of soft spot in my heart for them. I'm I'm pumped for this. I'm considering adding it to the February look back just because February is kind of a rough month for me where I only have two comic books coming up and I'm actually going to be submitting to the Midnight Society for for approval. I say go for it. Okay, because I I really dug the first one and I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about this one a little bit more because I think we'd all wind up reading this book anyways and still kind of having a side discussion in our... You know, text message thread about it no matter what. If we what. didn't have, quote-unquote, so many books, I was going to say we should do Black Cat, or uh, Catwoman, Batman, number two. I did like that first one a lot, so I I would have been probably yeah. okay with reading that more than some of the other stuff that we had. And number three came out today. I bought number two. I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward, I'm looking nice. forward to it. Nice. And something I'm looking forward to... Is a dramatic reading. And now, a dramatic reading from Future State Dark Detective 
number one, page 24, panel one. Bruce Wayne is dead. Bruce Wayne, son of Gotham. There is no one left to stand over their graves. Nothing left of them but mistakes. That was a dramatic reading from Future State, Dark Detective, number one, page 24, panel one. <coughs> yeah, you good there, Paul? It sounds like you need to, you need mm-hmm. to take a drink. I do. Oh, good thing I got my minky with me. You always got to have your minky. That's what TikTok says. Uh, uh, this is from a Thin Man Brewery, as uh, oh, Chris and I hey, have been sharing Paul, all night. What? I got my minky, too. I poured my minky minky? out because it didn't taste good. I'm sorry, man. But this is a raspberry sour ale, 7% alcohol uh, percent ABV, and uh, also from Thin Man Brewery. This is nice raspberry punch up front with that tartness at the end. I don't think this is a sour beer. I wouldn't say it tastes obsessionally sour. I think it's tart. I think it's a, I think right there. You can stop. Raspberry ale. Boom. Done. I tell printed. I tell people when they one. ask me about it, it's like drinking raspberry preserves. Like it's got a nice sweetness to it, but it's not overly sweet. But it is this nice tart raspberry. Uh it is my favorite beer from Thin Man. Um it's my what it's probably my wife's favorite beer. Uh I thought Clawworm was. No. It's a blueberry guava. It's it's a good, but it's a good, uh, but um, good? no, Minky is probably, in the Weatherwax household, it's our favorite Thin Man beer. And I can, when we go to Thin Man, and we, my wife and I like to go to the Chandler Thin Man, um, like, I'll read to her the list of beers, the list of other sour beers that they have. And she used to get like, oh, I'll try that new sour. And now we go there and she's just like, I'm just going to have like two Minky Boodles and you're driving home. And it's like, okay, fair enough, my love. I will do that. Yeah. 7%. It's yeah, it's not too bad. It's like, still good. Uh, and this one, when I made my original truck to the beer store and I bought that first round of Thin Man beers, I bought two Minky Boodles because I was like, I'm going to enjoy one of these tonight and then I'll save the other one for whenever we get around to recording the show. And then after I drank all those other beers and it went back to my beer store, I actually just bought the full four pack of this. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to drink it anyways. Like I'll just have to save one for the, for the show. Uh, and the first can from that four pack, I split with my girlfriend because she really likes this too. And then the next night, we were sitting down, we were going to watch something on like Disney plus or Netflix. And I was just like, Oh, you you want to split a minky? And she said, yes. So instead of splitting, I was like, well, I don't want like half of one of these. So I just <laughs> gave us each one. Cause it's like, yeah, you know what? Like it's, it's fine. I want it all for myself, but I'm still okay with sharing it. So it was tough just saving this one for the show because it's just so delicious. And it, it is like you said, it's, raspberry preserves it's got that nice tart bite to it like i almost expect to have like seeds in it because it's just like biting right into the berry but it's not like other raspberry beers where it's usually more like 
a raspberry wheat ale or something like, so you get that kind of like more like malty feeling with it. It's just like straight up delicious raspberryness, And it's so good. Uh, out of all three of these beers, next time I go to my beer store, if they have Minky Boodle, I'm still going to be buying a couple more just, just to have them in the it's, fridge. Cause it's such a nice, it's treat. a great fridge filler, especially hot day in Florida. Like why not? Which we're getting, we're getting back into Florida summer again. Cause we had our winter where it was getting down to like 60. Uh, but, and now it's like, Oh, it rains one day, but then the next day it's back up to 80 something and sunny. So, uh, yeah, perfect for that. Perfect for sitting on the porch, reading some comic books, maybe reading the, uh, high Republic <laughs> novel. I forget the name of it. Now it's a light of the light Jedi. of the Jedi. Uh, there's another one that's out already. Uh, Kristen Golden's, no, uh, Claudia Gray. Uh, Susie Dean. Name of that uh, book. Jimmy oh. Dean. So you're close. Uh, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that stuff uh, when we get around to it. Because guys, we're about to head into the main topic, which is going to be our look. Oh, sorry, John, forgot you. You were talking about Minky Boodle. Like a separate uh, beer. Yeah, my Minky. I don't know if it was like the bottom of the tank or the top of the tank. It just was missing the minky love. And the, we bought a four pack. My wife drank one of them and it was fine. And then these next, the next two that we had, the one I had today and the one she had the other day, just weren't up to minky standards. Um, but I'm drinking from Big Ditch Brewery, their strawberry milkshake IPA. And Paul, this is part of their. Breaking New Ground series that you had their marshmallow IPA that you said was good and you would have another if they made any other Breaking Ground you would go after it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this is like you poured a really easy drinking IPA into a Smucker's strawberry jam jar and we're drinking it out of it because it has this really nice strawberry jamminess to it but it still is an ipa and it's got a beautiful reddish hue um pinkish hue yeah it's like it's golden but there's still like that little like reddish tint to it it's it's a uh, maybe it's a murky maybe it's a murky red um uh huh. Paul, I'm wearing. I really. I'm a jerk. I'm wearing a green shirt with a red sweater. It just looks like I'm wearing brown altogether, right? Full brown outfit. <laughs> brown on brown. I'm a UPS driver now. Uh, but but this beer is is really good, and it's on the. It's from. Listeners, if you don't know, I have a hard time distinguishing between reds, brown, and oranges and, and different shades of other colors as well. Um, this is from the end of December. It's been in my fridge for a little bit. Um, and I was like, I don't really have any other sours in here, but I do have another berry beer. Um, and this still holds up. The strawberry is still there. It's, it's really nice. And I was worried this wasn't gonna work. And I brought over a, uh, second fiddle from Fiddlehead just to be, do I need to drink more? Um, but this is, we got a lot of comments to talk about. Uh, yeah, I was already thinking what I want to do, like, because I don't have any other beers, so it's going to be a mixed uh, drink. I do have another beer. It's a Community oh. Beer Works beer. What beer? 
It's their uh, blueberry uh, toasted oh, lager. Nice. It's a save. It's to uh, proceeds are going to save uh, to help uh, restaurants. Restaurants. They made a area. stout yeah. in that. And they also made this one. Apparently, because oh, okay. I bought it. <laughs> it says because I know one. Of- <laughs> we might talk about <laughs> it right. soon. If it was part of the four pack, it was like a pancake beer. Yeah, I yeah, think that was made by that was that was made by Resurgence. We, we, it was made by we Resurgence. Might talk I think. about it. Okay, we okay. might talk about hey. it soon. Enough. Hey, and if not this episode, next episode. So let's hey, uh, yeah, let's get into our first book, and that's going to be from Paul, right? That's going to be your Flashpoint. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is Death. This is Flashpoint. Uh, DC Comics presents Flashpoint. I guess. Or not Flashpoint, but Future State. Future State, yep. Uh, F- the Flash, Death Race, Part 1. Written by Brandon ben- Beniti. Uh, artist, this is why you come to this book, The Illegal Show. Ooh, this is also why, part of why you should stay away from this book. <laughs> I, you know what? It's classic superheroes. It's, that's why I'm enjoying, I enjoyed the art throughout it. I really did. Uh, uh, the opening scene, boom! You got Barry Allen, you got Max Mercury, you got Jay Garrick, you got uh, I don't know who her name is. She's like a new top. Her. Yeah. Uh, well, she uses a top spinning. Weapon. But she kind of has like the top costume though, because it has like the like the top logo on it. Except she's like all purple. I thought that was no, isn't what like Liberty gold. Bell is Mercury's daughter right i thought that's who she was no because they call her something else. her name's avery but yeah it's um but and then even then we get bart allen coming in um and they're all using like gadgets and weapons from the rogues gallery because apparently here in the future state the flash is Everybody with the Speed Force has lost the ability to gain to access the Speed Force. Well, I think that's um, kind of something we need to talk about, too, because all of this future state stuff is spinning out of that Batman, like, death metal series, death metal. where... Oh, you want me to read it? Well, I can... Like, dramatic readings? I can... I mean, if yeah, you want... Paul, it's, it it's Paul's yeah. Dramatic Reading Week. Let him read this. <laughs> The multiverse has been saved from the okay, Chris. You read it. Brink you read it. Of destruction. Okay, the multiverse has been saved from the brink of destruction. With victory comes new possibilities. As the triumph of our hero shakes loose the very fabric of time and space from the ashes of death metal, comes new life for the multiverse, and a glimpse into unwritten worlds of tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And that's how it's done, Paul. I wasn't. Uh, oh, don't blame the yeah, zooming in. But here, no. Here's the thing: if you haven't read Death Metal, you're just like, "Oh, this is like the future of the DC universe," and you're just kind of like thrown into a weird altered state of everything that doesn't make sense without having read Death Metal. But it's literally affecting every single book coming out from DC Comics. So 
if you're like us where you didn't care and didn't read any of that and you're just like, oh, like, let me pick up Robin number one. No, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, there's Marvel always does that one page of like, hey, here you are. Here's the breakdown. Here's this Star Wars scrolling text of like welcoming you into the story. We get what Chris just read. Of oh, this is a, perhaps a future of tomorrow. Well, I Chris. I would say because we get that, which is just kind of again, it's in all of these future state books. But then I think this book does a lot of legwork with trying to catch you up on what's been happening to the Flash family in Future State. Mm -hmm. But it reads very much like a 1960s kind of comic book where you have the characters kind of introducing each other and then talking about everything that's been going on. So you just get a really wordy and kind of clunky description of everything that's happening on the panel, but still describing everything that happened in the crossover that you didn't read before it. And it's very retro, but not in that kind of loving neo nostalgic way that we're used to getting from kind of, it feels weird talking about like Jeff Johns after we kind of shat on him back during uh Wonder Woman 84, because he was one of the writers on that. But that Jeff Johns style brain was like, yes, I have a love from this, of this stuff from years gone by, I'm going to update it and retell it in a, in the new way of storytelling. This doesn't have that new way of storytelling down. It's just like, okay, let me kind of ape this style and flipping through these pages right now. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's so wordy, but I still don't know what happened or what is happening in it. Uh, yeah. It, it reminded me of uh, Tom versus the flash. Yeah, but when you pick up a Flash comic, don't you kind of want that? No, no, I want um, my Wally, my oh, Jeff Johns Wally on. West there was books. A, there was a panel that almost broke me, and I just need to flip back through to find it, because I think I went past it. It was Barry talking to his ring. Yes, okay. Yeah. This isn't a dramatic reading. This is just going to be me doing it. Because it's Barry doing a monologue. If only I could contain the storm of emotions inside me as easily as my ring recorder stores these words. If only the heart of a father could be contained. As Barry becomes a father to Wally after the lightning bolt starts. Uh, I, I read that one and I was like, how many pages do I have left in this? And then I was like, oh, all of them. Because it's like right at the front of the book. The one, like... I'm not a huge fan of Dale Eaglesham art. A JSA Dale Eaglesham, I would say yes, but there's something in this, this book I don't know. Like that opening, like sorry, Paul, you you did like a okay. you did like a shrug gesture, like what's he like, talking come about? Come on, guys! I'm sorry. That like, opening page where you have the Flash family like breaking into the checkmate base. I'm. But they all have the same. I'm pace. looking. This at is the. Just like the anatomy of everybody, and I'm like, oh, this is this is the only time. This is bizarre. This front first page is the only time uh, Jay Garrison, uh, 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 Jay Garrick, Jay Garrick looks old. Because when they're all sitting on the couch together, I was like, 
who are these twin brothers? I did have a moment where I was like, wait, am I looking at Max Mercury or is this Jay yeah. Garrett? Because he, none of them have the helmet on, so I don't know. Um, I love the idea of the Flash family lost their powers, so they're using all the rogues tech that they've taken or have had. I think that's great. I think that's an interesting... They have a Flash I think that's a really interesting take with that. Like, if the Flash... If the Flash lost his power and he still wanted to be a superhero, what would he do? Grab all those guys' tech. Like, that makes sense. I love that he built the... uh, The helmets. The Jay Garrick helmet with the... The Tinkerer cap on it. The thinker, right, the thinker's cap. I think that is a cool idea in this book, but the rest of the book just isn't great. But I have to say, this is one of the better ones out of the Future State books that I've read, and that's not saying much because I, I this is still kind of lower tier out of the Future State for me because I was kind of surprised by. Some of the other ones we read, I guess. Uh, this was one of the last ones that I read because uh, it was yeah. literally just the last this, one that I had. This was the last out. one I read. It's not my favorite, but I like the yeah. ideas in this book better than the I, ideas in the other books. Except, I, I'll just this say this. Something- the Superman Metropolis one was probably the one I liked the most. Uh, we'll, we'll get around to that. Uh, um this it definitely feels more like a number one than the other ones. Well, it feels like a number three because I've missed everything else that kind of set it up. So I already came into it handicapped because I didn't know what was happening and what was Wait, going on. Uh, it. it says here that there's a 21-page story free on Amazon <laughs> to lead up to this book. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Um, well, what I'm saying is, Chris, your criticism of like it telling you everything the over narration the over like dialogue that's why i'm thinking it's an over it's it is a number one it's like trying to get you caught up to the current space like oh the heart of a thought father and then it's like flashes you back it, to the origin yeah, story but it's it's so clunky in its West. handling of that and i was kind of under the assumption that all this future state was just going to be like a kind of like one off, like, Oh, here's this story in this kind of like far flung future yeah. universe. DCU one. I didn't realize that this was going to be like a mini series or I don't want to say ongoing. Cause I know that these are all going to be like a temporary thing, but I spoilers. None of these books made me want to be like, Oh, number two, here we go. Yep. Spoilers. None of us are buying number two. Um, I I didn't even buy number one because I was supposed to be picking up Robin Eternal, and I, like I looked at the preview pages for us because like, all right, it's still like three ninety nine. Let me check it out, and I was like, oh, no. I saw you, I saw and, you take off that Robin, and I was like, I think like instantly after I was like, oh, Chris took that off. I bought that fucking Superman book, putting it on, <laughs> and um, I didn't make us. Yeah, we were like, we were both editing the Google Doc at the exact same time, <laughs> so I saw you like typing stuff onto it. Um, and we were all talking about the episode, like what we were going to record and when we were going to do this episode. And I was like sitting there, like, 
oh, they're saying the future state's no good. Don't read any of them. I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do instead? And John's like, nope, I spent the money. <laughs> we're talking about them. Little did he know we were going to spend like an hour doing the uh, the Week in Geek. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, bud. Yeah. And also, totally John, I see you bought the Iron Fist Heart of the Dragon. I did. I just picked that up. It's by Larry know, Hama. We talked I about know, this. I know. I know. But it had some... I looked... <laughs> but do you... Because if you knew, you wouldn't have bought it. looked up the reviews on it, and that actually had pretty good reviews. Okay. That's, that's why I, I bought it I today. It. <laughs> no, this is one when I was going back buying my comics. I saw it, and I was like, oh, a new Iron Fist book. And then I was like, oh, we've been burned by the Larry Hama stuff before. And just... I'm sorry. The last book you bought by him was that Albert uh, I. Wolverine yeah. book. Just... Just putting that out there. Can I can I do I just say like the one future state that I bought that I didn't put on this was the Shazam one and thumbing through it looks like it might be the the best one out of it cuz it's Shazam leading a team of um like Vixen um Black Lightning's daughter uh the female Martian Manhunter and the Question So Seems John, fun. if February's looking kind of like, if you want to put this on the list, like, no. feel free. No. Like, <laughs> I'm going to make us like, read that Larry Hama uh, Iron Fist book. Yeah, I'm not going to defend this book too, too much. I feel, I do like the illegal Shem. I feel like he's a classic superhero artist. Like, if I want to read or look at a book that just looks like the quintessential superhero square jawed like i don't think yeah i don't think i can go wrong with being like oh give me uh, like show on the book I, I know you you made the symbol for like a brief pause i just have to say before you run away though again that opening like half splash where you have the flash family coming in i noticed that there's like lightning bolt lines on the flash's arm i'm like were those added on and inked by mistake, or were they just not colored? Oh. And that distracted me so much that I flipped forward in the book to be like, what happened here? To later on in another panel see them like, okay, well, they're colored in in this panel, but they weren't colored in the beginning. So, like, right at the beginning, like, all right, the colorist and, like, the artist, like, and inker aren't on the same page. like, And that just kind of, like, distracted me. Deal Eagle Shim's on inks Is as he? well. Okay. Well, he, yeah, he did everything. So Deal Eagle Shim and the colors were on the same page. Like, it seems like one of those things, like, it would be caught. And that, again, like, it's a minor thing because it is fixed later on well, in the book. But, like, right at the get-go, like, not- I caught that. And I'm like, wait, are those supposed to be colored? Because Flash always has, like, the extra lines kind of on the... The costume now, and then when I flip forward like two pages, I'm like, oh no, they're supposed to be colored. Like it, it's not just on the arm. Yeah, it's also well, on it's, it's, well. oh, it's on his leg too. Because there's the one that's on his like the forearm where he yeah. always has it, but then there's like another one around like the, the bicep. upper like bicep. bicep. Yeah, and I was like, is that supposed to be there? And so, and then there's supposed to be a lightning. I think that yellow lightning around his thigh as well. And well, it's like first page, no lightning bolt. Second page, colored lightning bolt. Third page, colored lightning bolt. Fourth page, not colored. Like, it's... You know what? It's not colored on uh, one a couple... Sorry, I, I, I hate that I brought this up now because you guys are putting more work into it than I did when I first saw it. Uh, seventh page, not colored. 
You know, it's a grim and gritty future of the future state, and, you know, what can you do? What can you do? Falk, you can you can go take your quick you can go take your quick break. Other than trying to keep Wally from being a black racer vampire of speed force. If it was the yeah, sometimes it's it's just the littlest things that set me off about comic books. Sometimes, and that was literally like the first page that I looked at. I'm like, oh wait, I didn't even spend that much time looking at it. If it was the Flash family using their tech to continue to protect Coast City, I would not Coast City. Uh, what's their Central, Central City? I would have been like, "This is a fun. This is kind of a fun book that they're doing this." But the th- fact that they're using that tech to steal other tech. Because they have a plan to save Wally, is just dumb. And then the fact that, like, the person who is Ugh. someone who's who read the Wally West Flash books, yes, Barry had a connection to him. But if somebody was really like his father, it would have been more Jay Garrick. Yeah, I feel like Barry's like. Again, like he's just kind of like the cool uncle. Like he didn't want to let down. Um, like, I'm okay with them using like the stolen rogue tech, but then like the book just gets so weird. Where it's like, oh no, Wally's a famine of the four horsemen. So he's like an energy vampire, and for some reason he was able to grab Jay out of the Speed Force. Hey, if you uh, it, it, if you die just, in the Matrix, you die for real. <laughs> it, it was just kind of like a weird... Oh, then he's like, like severing dudes' arms, and then he's running back and sucking their life forces. and like, Yeah, it just... It's like, okay, he's able to see them in the Speed Force. And, oh, and oh, I counted on you all coming here. It's like, well, did you count on them making like the thinking caps using like the stolen technology that they literally like, just got? Because... How would you have figured that was going to happen? Like, it's just a really sloppy book. I agree. Uh, and another book from the uh, future state that we're going to review is Dark Detective, number one. Uh, this is by Mariko Tamiki and Dan Mora. Uh, and this is Bruce Wayne and Batman are perceived dead in a techno-noir Gotham that is under the military police protection of this organization who's taken over the city and led by Photon- the Magistrate. The Magistrate? And then uh, what? It's General Peacekeeper One. Peacekeeper One. Thank you, Paul. I was trying to figure out what you were trying to think of. No, that's what. I, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, but he's not dead. Neither one are. Who? Uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne? <laughs> oh, I was thinking the Magistrate or Peacekeeper One. Oh no, sorry, no. Uh, Bruce Wayne. They're not. They're not dead. 
And uh, they're still in this techno-noir city. Uh, and he's Batman, but without a cape and like a bulletproof vest on. But he suddenly has on when he strips off his normal clothes? Yeah. Uh, this wasn't great. And I'm not even going to talk about the grifter backup story so, in this. So, here's the thing. Ah, son of a gun! I read that grifter. No, here's the thing. I didn't realize there was a grifter backup story in it because I read the Batman one of it and thought the the book was over. You're, you're fine. Because uh, I started reading the grifter thing. Because... The solicitation makes it sound like Grifter is going to be a part of this book. So when you saw like this Batman figure running around with a bulletproof vest on in the solicitations, I was like, oh, okay, like Grifter's come to Gotham and he's helping Batman. Like, this will be interesting. And then I read this Batman book and I'm like, oh, this is kind of bizarre. And then all of a sudden this backup feature of Grifter and I start reading it. And I'm like, this isn't great. I'm just going to stop reading it. Uh, because this book was like, again, this has that same little blurb. The, the multiverse is up and blah, 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 because of uh, dark, dark metal or whatever the bullshit was. It doesn't explain how the magistrate takes over Gotham, why they're hunting the masks so vigilantly, how Gotham is now, Instead of like a neo noir, a tech noir, I mean it's like it's like Blade Runner esque Japanese, big screens everywhere. Everybody's on cell phones. Everybody looks super cool. Everything's super techy. Yeah, everything looks super cool. This book looks awesome. <laughs> the art in it looks great. Okay. The art is amazing. I, in this I book. felt like I, need, I don't want to say like I felt the need the, to like my, state my case because I was like actually like. I didn't hate this one. I didn't dislike this one as much as some of the others because if this was like a lead up to um like Batman Beyond, like I'd be here for it. Like I enjoyed this one. Um is it great? No, but it looks amazing. It looks so uh, slick. Dan Mora, I started reading this book and then I had to scroll back because I was like is this Capolo? Yeah. Like the way he draws the the eyes, the way he does the mask, he he it seems like he's taking from a lot of Batman people. Like it feels like he's taking from um Capolo, he feels like he's taking from who's the other artist that um works with Snyder and um Jock. Not Jock. It's no, always uh, Jock. Sean, Sean Murphy. Okay. Like, the way he draws Batman in his cowl with the stubble is very Sean Murphy. But the like actual Bruce Wayne face is very uh, Greg Capullo. Because it's those piercing light blue eyes that he gives him. And that's what made me go back to, like, see who it is. But the book is beautiful looking. I didn't love this story. And, like... I think if there was more lead up to this book than just I mean the, like there actually said, was a like lot of lead what, up to it we just didn't read right but it it does like you said with the flash book it feels like we're walking into issue 3 but to throw it over to a book that I just kind of talked about with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the last ronin 
that one I knew I was thrown into a weird future, but I just kind of accepted it. This book, I think it's easier to kind of walk into this Gotham than it was like the Nightwing version of Gotham or the yeah. the Flash version of uh, Central City. Like, I don't know why it works better for Batman. It could just be because of the character. I'm used to seeing him just kind of like thrown into anything. So I see him in a weird world where everyone thinks he's dead. Everyone thinks Bruce Wayne is dead. Twist. Bruce Wayne's not dead and he's just trying to survive and make his way. But he sees people being jumped. He can't stop it. It's like, I don't know. Like it's still work for me. Chris, last time we thought Bruce Wayne was dead. He ended up being a caveman. Well, <laughs> remember in the road home, the, the thing is nobody ever thought he was dead Bruce because Wayne. at that point we we're paying a lot more attention to uh, solicitations. And we already knew there was like a six part mini series spitting out. He was zapped by the Omega beam. Well, even like the Omega Sanction, it wasn't the Omega Beam. That's right. And he has to relive, well, because, <laughs> relive his Because lives. Grant Morrison, and it had to be something more. Uh, I don't know. It also it also reminds me of, of Bruce Wayne Wanted, you know? I, I did not dislike this one. I actually dug it. I would say this is probably in my top two of books that we, we read this month. And that's without having read The Grifter story because I didn't didn't realize that was there. And I, I also read the new Batman, which also takes place in this world, and it just like does I that know, one. The, the, sorry, is does that one kind of feed off of what happens in Nightwing, which we'll talk about in a minute? It, it, it feeds off of a little of this book too. Uh, okay, so I'm sorry. I'm going to Paul, and I'm going to Paul hard here. And I apologize to both you, John and Chris, and also the listeners. But an over-militarized police force with drone technology and also just being able to be like, oh yeah, police with force is now, you know, access- acceptable. Go ahead. Just kill the suspect at, at hand. Uh, not what I want to read right now. In this political climate here in the United States, read the freaking room. Um, I can I can you know understand I that, mean? but like, again, I like hey, we're protesting people that are kneeling because the police are kneeling on people's necks. Like, let's not. I'm not coming to comic books, superhero comics books, which are supposed to be like inspiring and be like, hey, let's rise above, let's do good, let's be better than what we are right now to have my heroes like being chased down by the police that are like in squat gear all of the time with drones that are going to shoot you I just did not find this fun at all I hated reading it I hated being a part of this world I don't want to be here (laughs) get me out not only because of that world because it reminds me too much of this world that I'm in now. I'm sorry. I did say, I did give a Paul warning. You're, it's it's a begging board cast spoiler warning, but it's for me. You're fine, for Paul, because I read this book right after the attack on the Capitol. Yeah. And I think that we might be... book. 
that might be why I was like, oh, geez, I'm really not feeling this book. Um, this book, right? Like, yeah, I, I have to say, I, I'm I'm leaning towards Paul on this. I, I felt the same kind of way about this. All right. Uh, I read this book today, and I didn't get that vibe from it because I'm used to seeing the police department hate and hunt down Batman 50% of the time. Anyways, depending on when we're reading these Batman books, because it shifts from era to era, because writer or editor at the time feels too much like, oh, well, Batman needs to be a loner. He needs to be out on his own. So cut off that Gordon connection. Like he's, he's the vigilante. Like they're hunting him down. Like I, I'm able to separate enough of my like escapism, like with movies, TV and Mm -hmm. like comics that I don't necessarily always think about the outside world because I'm just like, I'm reading this. I don't want to say for work because we, we just do this because we like to do it, but I'm just jumping into it to, to read it as like, okay, I'm going to read Dark Detective and come off of it as like, no, like this was a decent future Batman story that looks awesome. And apparently there's a future Grifter story in it too that, I don't know, I'll flip through. I saw it has Huntress in it as I was going through the pages. That got my attention. It doesn't have Huntress. She's in it. It has Huntress at the okay. very end. She doesn't show up. I, see, I, I didn't. You did say you read. You read it. I didn't know like how much no, of it was a, like Huntress base of like she was like narration or like they're talking about her. I just saw like at the end like she's hanging upside down or like something. It was Lucius Fox. And, Whoa! Uh, spoilers, uh, bud. Uh, Luke. I, I I probably will never. You know, probably will never go through it. Just read it. <laughs> We're here to I did read book. it. I read Dark Detective. It was in the I book. Really, well, again, jumping ahead, like, I don't know what was happening at the end of the Superman book because it seemed like there was, like, two or three backups in that. And I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't care about any of these. So I, I, I went through it. So I probably would have done the same thing for Grifter. Even though I do remember the fact that John had picked this for his list pick and he had mentioned, like, oh, Grifter, Batman. I just forgot about it until I read it. <laughs> the backup for Superman is uh, Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen is basically being kind of whoa, 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 Paul tortured. Whoa, 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 whoa! But it's John. These are John's book. John gets to oh. where we can talk about next. Okay. Well, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I was going to go into hey. night. I was going to go into Nightwing because we just talked about Dark Detective. Hey, John. Guess what? I got every cent of quote unquote entertainment value that you paid for because I read the Grifter backup and I read that stupid Superman backup. So I didn't was not wasted. I didn't bother with either, which was a better choice. Uh, And this is uh, we're going to go into the Nightwing book. Once upon a night in Gotham, part one. Written by Andrew Constant and art by Nicola Scott. And this is a little more edgy Dick Grayson Nightwing. Uh, as he's stopping crimes in this uh, magistrate Gotham, as he believes Batman has passed, and he's one of the few masked vigilantes still out there, and he's going to bring the magistrate to his home turf because he's sick and tired of fighting him. And he's going to do it on his own terms. 
with his oh, that... secret base in Arkham. Yeah, it's, it's a little on the nose, right? Like, oh, nobody would expect me to be here at Arkham because, you know, it's the last place he would look. But wouldn't that be one of the first places you look? <laughs> like if it's, We didn't read Death Metal, Paul. We don't know. Um, I don't know. I love Nightwing. No, I don't think anything... I really don't think anything in Death Metal leads no, to any of this. this I don't either. Because Death Metal was all like creepy, like they were flying on dragons and yeah. the the this creepy Chris, Joker Batman thing. Chris, imagine if you were a fan during Infinite uh, during Infinite Crisis, and then it's that five year jump mm-hmm. that we all experienced. Imagine that if we didn't read Infinite Crisis. The five year jump. Okay. Uh, yeah. An infinite crisis prepares you for that five year jump. That's what future stage. True. I guess. But I also think that five year jump was handled better. Um, yeah, because it was labeled five years yeah. later, and it was it was handled uh, better because people cared. Uh, and that's the thing, like, because I care about Nightwing, and jumping into this book, I'm like, okay, I see glimpses of Dick Grayson in this. But it wasn't until, like, when they're in his Arkham hideout that I'm like, okay, this reads more like a Nightwing book when he's talking to this new fake Batman. He knows who it is because he ran, like, the the Taskmaster uh, program that recognized this Batman's movements. Uh, which, John, like, it, is this the same Batman that's in the new Batman book? I believe Do so. Do they say who it is? Uh, you're led to believe that it's uh, Lucius Fox's son okay. who is Batwing. I'm I'm okay yeah. with that. Like I'll allow that. I keep trying to pull up because I it's been about a month since I read it, and I think I might have thumbed through it a little faster than actual read mm-hmm. it, but it won't pull up in my account. It's okay. I mean, we're not talking about that book, so you're you're forgiven. Um, I usually like. Nicola Scott artwork. I don't have an issue with this one. I don't like this Nightwing costume design, though. It just seems too much to just show that there's a difference in this Nightwing from the regular Nightwing. Uh, it has armor. And like a weird, like, chin, chin strap. strap. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what to think of it, but yeah. Because more armor. Um, <laughs> I thought it's maybe, I'm like, oh, this is a weird choice. Maybe his jaw is broken. So he can't be quippy, and maybe he's he's a silent Nightwing. That would be interesting, because the difference between Nightwing and Batman, Nightwing's quippy and nice. There's no reason for the chin... There's no reason for this chin strap. And then then the story happens, and he's talking and being quippy, and is like, ah, your wife is more of a threat than you are, dude. Uh, And I'm like... Yeah, there's no reason for the, the way the way this Nightwing reads in the beginning. I thought it was an older Damian Wayne who took on the mantle of Nightwing because he's a lot more aggressive, yeah. and it doesn't seem to be as playful. And even the that, "you're not your aggression coming towards me," blah blah blah. Like he doesn't read like. Dick Grayson Nightwing. Well, and that's why it's not until like you're actually in his stronghold, you're like, okay, this is this is Dick Grayson. When he calls Barbara yeah. when he calls Barbara Babs is when I go, Oh, it's Nightwing. And then like two things later it says like 
it, it has his flashback to Bruce and him in the the circus. Like this was, I was like, oh, it is nice. This was actually it the first Christian. book that I read for today's episode, and this is also the one that made me be like, okay, yeah, I dodged a bullet not buying the Robin book that's taking place, <laughs> not just in the same universe, but in like the same city as we're seeing here because. I I love Nightwing as a character, but I think as time goes on, I'm realizing that the Nightwing comics are really hit or miss. He seems like a great character that people just don't know what to do with. What to do with. And that's that's a shame, because he's so beloved by fans. Like, he's an institution. It's Dick Grayson, like the original Robin. Like, I named my son Grayson. Like, uh, and I was kind of sad to see that this book's just not handling him well. And then as soon as it starts there, to, it's just like, okay, well now it I don't care where it's going because I realize it's playing into this bigger story that's going to keep going on that I, I don't care about really. Because like they're talking about like, all the masks and how the magistrate and like peacekeeper are going to try to take them all out. And it's, and for some reason peacekeeper ones set up in Renee Montoya's office and he's like smashing her name plate. Like, what does that mean to him? Like, again, maybe that's something that happened in the actual crossover or one of the spinoffs that I don't know, but just jumping into this book, I'm like, he's holding on to that name plate for a long time before he like, crushes it in his hand like it's just constantly drawn into each of those panels that he's in and i'm like why is this dude holding on to this for so long i think it's to show you that renee matoya was commissioner yeah i got that as soon as i saw it like you don't have to have it in the dude's hand like you, you can show it to me well, on the desk and have him like slam his hand down on it. like he doesn't need to hold it it's just again bizarre choices being made in these books that make me care about this line or imprint or event even less yeah uh and also in this book like you get like three or four different versions of nightwing you get the really aggressive nightwing in the beginning you get more of night more of your nightwing feel when he's talking to those other agents but only he's really only talking to babs because he's the only one that talks to him then he's got the weird shower scene where then he loses the fight, but then he's programmed the thing he's to, to shock the Batman guy to the, to then when he's talking to him, it, when he's handcuffed the, the new Batman into the chair. But if he already knows who he is and he knows that he wants to be on his side, it doesn't make sense that he's handcuffed him to then go, Oh, that took yeah. you uh, shorter than I thought it would. He's testing him. He's just constantly like he doesn't he doesn't lose a fight. He's just like testing his fighting ability, and then he's like, "Well, does does he have a plan for this? I'm going to activate this because the real Batman would have like known that there's traps set right at Arkham Asylum." Oh, nope, he failed. Failed at that test. Okay, like, now I'm going to do the con- the classic villain thing, which is 
you know, handcuff you to something and then monologue for a while. Let's see how long it takes you to get out of this one. Okay, are you worth my time to actually partner up or are you just going to get in the way and be in hindrance? Because I already got a Zoom call of like 16 people, including Babs, who I only care about. Uh, you know, so do I really need you, the new Batman? I think I think it was just a, it's an interview that he's doing. Uh, that makes when you explain it like that, it's a little more. Well, it makes a little more. Also, sense. at that time too, I feel like we know Dick's already kind of in control of the situation. Like he knows who this Batman is and doesn't feel like he's a threat. So yeah. at that point, like he, if it is you know Luke Fox, like he's like, all right, like yeah, like all right, keep up, kid. At that point, um, not all that being said, not my least favorite of the future state books that we read. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I still have the same problem as I did with the last one, which is read the room. <laughs> like, this is not the book I want to be reading right now. Um, uh, but maybe, Paul, Superman of Metropolis is the book you want to read. And that's written by Sean Lewis and John Timmis on art. And this is Jonathan Kent is now Superman. Something's happened to Superman. He's not around. Kal-El. Uh, where Superman is kind of... Jonathan Kent has gone under mentorship of Supergirl. And in a fight with uh, another police state... Um, who are being controlled by a military creation of Brainiac skin? Uh, what is it? What is it? Brain called? cells. Brain, Brain cells. Brain cells. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the vortex or something. Is the army something stupid like that? The the army wants to uh, contain and get a hold of brain cells in order to weaponize it. Brain cells is a version of Brainiac that has slowly like manipulated the populace of Metropolis to upgrade their physical forms with technology. Biotech. Yep, tech. Uh, implanting basically Brainiac tech, uh, tech onto their skins or something like, you know. Uh, and now Brain Cells, a.k.a. Brainiac, is now controlling the mass populace of Metropolis. And Supergirl. As we learn later, yes, Supergirl herself. Uh, so Jonathan Kent decides that the only way to save Metropolis is to get rid of brain cells. Is to get brain cells away from Metropolis, or if Mohammed can't go to the mountain, bring the mountain to Mohammed. So he, since he can't get Metropolis away from. Uh, brain cells, he decides to get Metropolis away from, you know, to shrink uh, Metropolis down into a bottled city. So that way, he's there no, the citizenship is no longer under its control. Uh, I was kind of surprised by this one. I'm not a Superman fan. The last Superman stuff that I read was when Bendis took over the book, and I think we read, like, three issues of it. Uh, didn't dislike it. I've only read like Super Sons number one, so my Jonathan Kent stuff is very limited. So I'm surprised 
just kind of the leap that they've made with this character age-wise and then just uh, like his demeanor and mentality. So I don't know when Superman was kind of taken out in this universe and how long Jonathan's been kind of on his own, like where's Lois and all of this. Jonathan Kent's kind of like a, I don't get it in this book, but I did kind of come out of it really liking Supergirl because I kind of like her as the elder statesman Kryptonian at this point where she's just like, no, like you're stupid. Like this is like targeted to Kryptonian DNA. Like everything that she's saying, I'm like, oh yes, this makes sense in a Superman universe. And it seems like Jonathan's just not super aware of everything and just kind of flying, cause he's flying by the seat of his pants. A, like, and he's a stupid teenage kid. Uh, Who's not thinking about all the outcomes? And the whole time, I'm thinking like, well, Brain Cell just keeps talking about how he's like an offspring of Brainiac. Like he has that programming. Like, of course he's going to be like a bad guy. And wait, why is this a discussion? Uh, I didn't dislike this one, but I do kind of have my reservations about it. And then it's just very much like, oh. It leans very heavily on the kryptonite, like, oh, well, the kryptonite poisoning is not kryptonite poisoning, but the different rays working their way into everything. I think they just need to find a way to make Supergirl kind of a bad guy. And just like, eh, plot things happen. Kryptonite, kryptonite, magic. kryptonite rays that aren't kryptonites, Nethroi, whatever. I don't remember what they called it. Um, and she. Yeah, not my, it's one of the more interesting future state books just because it's not dwelling in Gotham where there's like everyone trying to hunt down like the vigilantes. I like this kind of look at the Superman family without Superman being there, but again, just not great. And then those robots really remind me of Skeets too, like with the gold. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was meant to be the thing, but yeah, I, just, I think it was. I it just to. kept thinking about Skeets from uh, Booster Gold and like Legion of Superheroes. But yeah, someone else talk about this. I book. thought I thought this was a good looking book. I really liked the costume designs for both Supergirl and Superboy. I liked the brain, the brain cell, uh, the multi mouth, multi mouth look. I I enjoyed this book more than I thought I was going to. But with all of these books, I've liked ideas or concepts in them, but they're not complete as a whole. They're not They're not great. They all have flaws. The Superman book was the one that I could kind of like make sense of the flaws of what I think is kind of stupid. And like I said, like, well, he's just a teenage kid. He's stupid. He's not thinking of all the outcomes. He just saw the one thing to do, mm-hmm. but didn't think of all the consequences or what else he could do to, to save that. And that's what Superman would have done was Superman would have thought of all the outcomes and found out the best way to do it. Not just his own, the first in- instinct to do. And if I can interrupt, I don't think that's a problem with just a teenage character. I think anybody that's thrown into a position 
that they're not ready for. It's that, you know, we've all had managers or somebody that's been ahead of us in jobs that are just like, they're going to take that easy route to solve a problem instead of the right route to solve the problem because they don't feel confident enough to like want to have a bad situation linger for a little while. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to have a bad situation linger to actually fix it correctly. Versus like, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to say no to this, stop it, and then move on. And then, you know, I don't know if Jonathan is really a teenager here, but I I understand what you're saying. He's inexperienced. He's inexperienced. He's, He's not ready to be the Superman. If if anything, he's somewhere between seventeen to twenty. Yeah. Is how I read him in this book. Yeah. But somebody that gets a field promotion even in their late twenties, early thirties, that doesn't that isn't really prepared it, it, for it. You know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, he's not he's not prepared in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um But I did like I had more fun and more interesting in it. And then your backup stories of uh, Mr. Miracle and uh, the Guardian. The Guardian. There was a Jimmy Olsen one in here, too. There's three of them. uh, Jimmy Olsen's watching the Guardian. Uh, See, both the Mr. Miracle one. Oh, he's the the guy with the beard. I I just kind of flipped through because I was like, uh, I don't ever need to read this because it's not part of the actual book. Much like Grifter was. No. But it is part of the actual book. He paid uh, extra for it. But that's the thing. Like I, I've never cared <laughs> about Guardian as a character. Um, when they were doing the... The Seven Soldiers event from Grant Morrison like oh, yeah. years ago. I picked up the Guardian book just because I was interested in that kind of line that they were doing. I can't tell you about any of those miniseries that spun out of it or anything that happened in it because I just have no affinity for those characters and the only time I've ever really liked Mr. Miracle too was the uh, Tom King and Justice League miniseries. Unlimited cartoon series that's, that's a cool one that's, um, that's a good one so this was all just kind of like I'm glad it's there for people that care um, but it's just that's not for me I tried to read the Mr. Miracle one. I didn't think it was very good. It wasn't really the Mr. Miracle we knew. You know, he just had a mother box. But anyways, let's get on to your last book, John. Our second last no, book. Yeah, this is, the, this is his last one. This is the last book. It's Chris's oh. book. No, Eternals. What, the Eternals? Oh my god, I forgot about Eternals. <laughs> Dude, you gotta reboot. We all make mistakes, but when mistakes happen, uh, they get rebooted, and then there's deviation, deviations that then we just defeat in the sewers of New York after talking to Iron Man. And that's this book. Don't don't worry, John. Like we'll get through this one quick because I don't have a lot to say about it. Uh, yeah, I said everything I have to say. <laughs> uh, this is written by Karen Gillian and art by. Um, he said Ribbit. He said his name, and he said Ribbit. And yep. Isaac Ribbit's 
art in it is very good. Uh, Karen Gillian is taking the stories of the past and trying to make them interesting and make you aware of who the Eternals are because there was supposed to be a movie coming out around the same time as this book. And what's what's that, Bob? Uh, I was going to say, Isab Rubik. It's like a mix of Frank Quietly and also... Um, darn it, I had it, and then now I forgot it. But there's a Frank Quietly-esque-ness to it, mm-hmm. right? There's... Yeah. But without being so much... Uh, Cartoony? Sex. Well, sex, sex of, of meat. Skin. Yeah. There, I mean, I really love the faded colors that go with his art. And he made uh, Icarus. I was like, oh, wait, he's really not. He's making that guy very unattractive. But he makes him unattractive all the way through the book. Like, I was like, oh, no, he's still not good looking. He's the perfect artist to be on a book like that, uh, like this, just like he's a, he was a perfect artist to be on Thor. Like, he captures those looks well, and I feel like the, char- the, the character designs still have a... Frasier Irving. Oh, Frasier yeah. Irving. Okay. Yeah. No, I... Frasier Irving and Frank Wiley mix. It definitely has a Frasier Irving look. I definitely would agree with that. Um... But he's still paying homage to the looks that Kirby created with the Eternals. I think there's a lot of baggage that comes with the Eternals. And all three of us are not Eternal fans. He left that baggage on the carousel at the airport and walked away happily. And I don't think any of us have ever really wanted to. The only reason I picked this book up was Kieran Gillian... Isid Ribic, and the fact that this movie was coming out soon, that I was like, hopefully Karen Gillian can explain to me why I should like this book. Because he's done it before with characters. He's He did it with, um, what was the God's book? Wicked, Chris, uh, Wicked and Divine. Uh, Wicked and Divine. There's no reason I should have liked that book, but he did a great job of explaining it. There's no reason I should like Kid Loki but he made me like that character. He has the ability to explain stuff well enough that you go, okay, I like that. He tried very hard in this book. Unsuccessfully. Yeah. uh, I've tried buying Eternals books before. The last one I remember trying to buy was written by Neil Gaiman. Art was by John Romita Jr. And I did not care about that. And at that time, I had just kind of equated it to the fact that I was like, oh, I just don't like the John Romita art. And then this one, I didn't know who was doing this book. And I know you had probably mentioned it before in a pick for the list or something. But what I've been doing when we do these lookbacks is very first thing I do is I look at, okay, who's writing it? Who's drawing it? I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, Kieran Gillian, Isad Ribic on art, like all-star team. Let's go. And I think this book is extremely well-written. But I just don't care. And I think that's just on the Eternals franchise and the Eternals characters that I just, I don't care about them. And it doesn't matter if it's handled well. I, I'm just not going to enjoy that book. And I'm, 
I'm thinking that based off the previous entries we've had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'll still probably enjoy the movie, but I don't see myself reading any more Eternals books after this one, unless we just have to for the look back because someone decides to buy it again. Uh, the other thing is there's a very Jonathan Hickman page where it explains like Olympians, these people. And I'm starting to look at it and trying to read these people's names. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we, there's we a get lot two going of those on. because there's one in the beginning. And then for some reason, there's like another one in the middle of the book where when I hit that, <laughs> I was like, oh, did I open this up when somebody else was starting the book? And then it went back to the beginning. So I thought like, it was just a weird thing. I was like, oh, no, this is literally just placed in the middle. It might not be the middle, but it's just smack dab right there for some reason. And as not an Eternals fan, all of those words are just words on a page that I'm like, okay, this probably has meaning for somebody. And also, like, when I opened this book, Paul had finished reading it and left it at the final page. So when I opened it, I saw Thanos standing there. So I was like, oh, that's Thanos the whole time. So when I'm reading the whole book, I'm like, so when does it get to the Thanos part? It doesn't. That cliffhanger is just like, oh, we got to throw something in there that people will actually care about. But oh yeah, we know what that is. The Thanos page is beautiful looking. I mean, the, like, Thanos looks amazing in it. He's got a dented helmet. How does his helmet? The get whole there? book looks great. My only complaint is I don't think Isad Ribic got the note that Sprite was supposed to be female. <laughs> no, because the whole book Sprite's very much drawn as a dude with like a five head, uh, but even. Like when they have that meeting with Iron Man, Iron Man's like, "Well, thank you, young lady." Or wait, Han. Oh, or I'm not a collectible young lady, and it's like, "Oh, wait, is that who Sprite is?" Because I don't, I don't know the Eternals. I don't know who any of them are outside of Icarus or Cersei. So it was one of those moments, like, "Oh, it might be like just a problem with the translation," because I think he said Rubik's like Italian. Or Hungarian, I can't remember. We saw him at a convention when he was in a sketch duel. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, Sprite gets to present any way that Sprite. And that's okay. Present. And that's what the whole part of the reboot thing or whatever. The unlocking, what is it? The. You are no longer un. You are it, now. So that whole thing was very inhumans, Terrigen Mist things where I'm like, okay, yeah. this is just some sort of. Like MacGuffin yeah, to just exactly. say like, okay, this is why we can keep doing something with these characters. Yeah, that they get to die and then get reborn constantly because they're Eternals. Thank you, Chris. It is very inhumans. It's just okay. These characters are existing. Who are they? Oh, they're supposed to guard this uh, this Celestials. Cool. And why aren't they guarding the Celestials? Oh, because they're basically all dead. And why are they all dead? Because they got took a case of loving the humans. They're, they're handling their inside stuff, where now it's like a murder mystery, too. But it's not that much of a murder mystery, because they don't have like a backlog of Eternals that they need to bring back. So the dude that was murdered is coming right back, so they can just ask him. 
I know I said this book was really well-written before, but now I'm just kind of like... It, yeah. What, what, what's, it, it? Wait, what's the difference between them and the X-Men now, though? I don't, the, the, the thing is... is Island. When I, Croatia. When I was, Croatia's real. Krukoa is what you're thinking about. <laughs> Sorry. I put the wrong <laughs> emphasis on the wrong syllable. The thing, the thing that I like while reading this book went, man, the new gods are so much more interesting, and it's just straight, more straightforward but with see, what these characters even are. Even with that being said, like I'm not a fan of the new gods either. I don't know. It's just that that type of character. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. Wait a you, second, Chris. Are you saying that? That Kirby is not the king. I mean, he's okay. I've said it before. If you put like Kirby art in a comic book now, people are like, where's the backgrounds? This is cheap. I paid four dollars for this. The the backgrounds are gone because the inker decided like he was too lazy to. Do that's that's where they went. <laughs> I do have to, like the one thing I do have to say is I do like Kirby <clears throat> art. For that time period, he's head and shoulders above most of mm-hmm. those artists. And his creativity with and the designs and his symmetry and how he makes everything look and just the the lines and the circles and the bulbs and all that stuff, like it's amazing. And you look at some of his splash page and some of his pages, you're like, Man, how did this guy even come up with the look of this stuff? But yeah, like yeah, it's missing the background. Like it, he's putting so much into certain things that he's letting other stuff go. But I think uh, what he tried to do outside of Stanley and those other, well, I think uh, Stanley. No, yeah, Sam. I you can say that to all of Stan's artists, though, like Steve Ditko and like the OG John Romita, like. They were given bare bones stuff to work with, and they found a way to to make it work and elevate it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think this is. I don't know. Eternals isn't. It, it's it's not for me. I'm looking forward to the movie because again, I just want somebody to explain it to me. <laughs> like what they 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 did. The Eternals were created. To defend the Celestials. But the, they also created then, the Deviants, who are trying to destroy the Celestials. No, the Celestials ended up accidentally creating the Deviants themselves because of the they're like problems mu- with defending they're mutate- the Celestials. Aren't they mutated? They're mutated. Celestials. Celestials are they mutated Eternals? Eternals, sorry. They're, uh, yeah, they're mutated uh Eternals because the Celestials aren't perfect, so they accidentally create Deviants. And then the Eternals get jealous of how the Celestials are giving all this attention to Earthlings, and bad things happen. And that's the movie! Alright, let's talk about this Jedi book. Yeah, let's talk about the Jedi book. Uh, because coming out from over on Marvel Comics, we have Star Wars The High Republic, number one. And this is a miniseries, six parts, written by Kevin Scott, Kevin Scott, excuse me, art by Ario and Nindito. 
Uh, and this is telling kind of an untold story in the canon of the Jedi, which, which is them at like their height. This is the High Republic, where basically they're building space stations, they're policing the galaxy. Uh, all is well with the world. And this is part of a big publishing push that Marvel and Disney and Lucasfilm are taking part in right now, where we're getting comic books, we're getting novels, we're getting junior novels, we're getting little kids, like, not golden books, but you know, like, Little kid books. You're getting like adult novels, young aka comic books. You're getting you're getting the kids. picture books. You're getting word books for adults, for young readers, and then kids. Or like friends. they're basically trying to tell stories that all take place in the canon for everybody. Um, and right here with High Republic number one, we're getting the trials of a new, well, not new Jedi. But a Padawan, uh, Keith Trennis and her master, Scares? I can't remember his name right now. Need- Seeker. Because he's Seeker. a Trandoshan, so everything he says has kind of like that serpentine lisp to it. That extra S. Um, and while- But only if the, only if the word starts with an Only S. then. Because I thought it was funny, like he says first. He just says first, but he's not first. It's the lead up to it. I get the same thing. It's just, I have an I have an overbite. It happens. Uh, but in the middle of trying to complete her trials, something happens where Keith now has to assist the local populace with some sort of calamity? attack. I don't want to say calamity attack. Yeah, we'll say attack. Yeah. Uh, and it all kind of circles disaster. back to the new satellite station that the Jedi have built, the Starlight Beacon. And we're being introduced to a bunch of brand new Jedi and then one old one who's now young with Master Yoda making his appearance. Not a surprise when they had their investor... But but still looks pretty old. Still looks pretty old, but he still looks good for it. Uh, It's very much a David Tennant uh, 10th Doctor situation where he's like, yeah, he's 900 years old, but he, he does well by it. John, when 600-year-old, right? Is Am I doing the math right? Or is it 700-year-old? I don't remember. I should know this. Because he's 900-year-old in the in the original trilogy. And how how far back is this? 200 years, right? Uh, let me issue info. Um, it just says the Jedi at their height, protecting the galaxy as the Republic pioneers push out into new territories. Because <laughs> the whole thing about the Starlight Beacon this is, is a- them setting up a... Like a station at the edge of the outer rim. So let me see, because I think they do have... Oops. Okay, anyways, that's a long way for a short joke, which is when 700-year-old you reach, look as good. You will not. Hmm? Well, I mean, if you think about it, too, Grogu... He's still 700 years old. Grogu is 50 years old, and he's still a child. He's still a baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yoda... Yoda yeah, we, we knew this. Yoda always be old. But, uh, I, a Starlight Beacon, it's... And I don't mean... So, to, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you completely uh, threw off the podcast. Continue. Uh, I believe that's what we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no, that's what I do. Stop stepping on my turf. I'm sorry, Paul. You weren't stepping in. I needed to do it. 
uh, Chris had a really good thought process going, and we had to throw uh, the gum into the works. Oh, he treated uh, me like I'm Vision. Yeah, that that'll be right. a that'll be a reference at some point. Uh. They're cautious. <laughs> Uh, I do like how they have their timeline with the High Republic and then the Fall of the Jedi. And then they explain what movies fall into the Fall of the Jedi, Reign of the Empire, all that stuff. I really enjoyed how they broke that down to help. Unlike Future State, they wanted to let you know where you were in this timeline and where you're going to like it. Um, I did like Future State, though, John, was part of the 5G it was supposed to be for new readers to jump in and start experiencing DC Comics after watching all the great DC Comics and Warner Brothers television. And movies. Media, and movies that they've enjoyed. What um, a great jumping on point. <laughs> the first thing I said when I started reading this book was, oh good, they got a competent art artist. Mm. Because we have had some good books, but we've had like that Lando book where the art was just I atrocious. Don't think Lan- and we've Lando looked pretty good. I not the Lan- I'm sorry, the Mace Windlu book. Oh, okay, the Mace Windlu when he picked the team and they went after the thing. Mace Windu. Windu. What did I say? Windlu. Yes. <laughs> Windlu. I'm like Windu. Windlu. It's Windu. Windu. I was gonna let it Windu? go. Yeah. Or Windlu. Windu. Oh, I can't. Win do, win Lou. Do. Win do. Do, not Lou. Uh, but the the book looks good. They they put a competent artist on it. I enjoyed the story of this. Is it where I thought this book would go or what it would start with? No, I thought it would be more... I don't know if I was looking for more regal, more following someone who's already a Jedi Knight in this, but... Again, I heard there was a novel before this that you can get on Amazon. Yeah, or at the your Barnes & Noble's or any of the, your uh, favorite local book sellers. But it's a 21-page story? No, it's more than that. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, Light of the Jedi. Uh, High Rep- Star Wars High Republic, Light of the Jedi. But as an introductory to this High Republic, it's still I feel like it still works. I'm still interested to see where this goes. Would I buy the second issue where we, you know, we've had this discussion. I liked it a lot. Would I buy the second issue? No. Would I read Chris's second issue or Paul's second issue? Because it looks like you both bought it. Yeah, we, we both picked this one up. Uh, yeah, I probably would read the second one. But I don't know if I'd go out of my way. I'd more be interested to see where it's going with Master uh, Seeker. Seeker. Um, uh, if you, John, if you want to catch up, or Chris, if you want to catch up, you, uh, Star Wars YouTube channel does have a High Republic series uh, going on that basically talks to the creators and everything else, and it's going to be released once a month, uh, just to keep you up to date with all the happenings on Star Wars. And I have seen those pop up, and I think that's a really good resource for people that are interested in this publishing push or want to kind of dip their toes into it because everything that they are doing with this High Republic line, it is all in continuity. So this comic book and the Light of the Jedi novel by Charles Soule, 
are telling one story, but then also the young adult novels and then the little kids books that they have are still part of the same publishing line. So yes, like the kids versions of the books aren't going to be as heavy as the comics or the adult or the young adult novels, but they are all taking place in the same story. So everything does have weight and I'm fine with picking up the novel, the comic. I'm not a stranger to reading young, young adult fiction. I would possibly read that too if the price is right, but I'm not going to be picking up the little kid's picture book where, you know, Wookiee Jedi number fives out learning a lesson. But if I can watch a video telling me like, Oh yes, this is who this Jedi is. And maybe he's in the background of this comic. Like, okay, now I know who that character is because Star Wars loves their background characters that have like one story and one thing that matters somehow. Uh, I did enjoy this, but I'm kind of waiting to hear more about what happens in the actual novels and the big picture story before I can really place judgment on this one. I don't know if that sounds weird, but I feel like I'm just getting part of the story in this one. And that's why I was kind of asking you about the book before, Paul, because... Yeah, the book before, The Light of the Jedi, basically leads up to the... It, it it describes what happens, the major cataclysm, uh, which is a Starliner going critical in hyperspace, the start of the invasion of the Nile, which are the big bads in this. This is basically the Vikings of the Star Wars universe. The Reavers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Reavers, or not, or Vikings. Uh, there's a basically huge uh, cruiser that goes that explodes while traveling in hyperspace. So now you have all this debris like uh, between the inner cluster and the outer rim. So now hyperspace travel to the outer rim is a lot more dangerous because if you don't time things exactly right, you'll run into some debris. So the Nile now take, take advantage of that by invading the, those outer rim and those, uh, outside quadrants in order to try, try to establish, you know, either raiding and just taking valuable resources or establishing their own, like, kind of outposts and then moving closer and closer to Republic territory. Hence why the Jedi want to establish this uh, Starlight Citadel. What do they call it? Starlight, Starlight Beacon. Starlight Beacon. Basically to transmit uh, the news of the day hope and information to the people of the Outer Rim and also to then be able to uh, coordinate their actions in the Outer Rim and also help uh, to lemurate? Uh, to, you know, coordinate uh, hump, jumps to hyper, into hyperspace to get people out to, to where they need help the most. So, and that's the world! <laughs> that's the universe that... Uh, that that's that comic book is now residing uh, in. Does that make you guys less or more interested? No, I knowing it. I, or did I just drone on and you guys I'm gonna say I'm the same amount because it's a story that I'm interested in and like I said right up the front, it's telling tales in kind of an uncharted corner of the Star Wars universe that we haven't had before. 
And when I saw Keeve's lightsaber, when she's going through her trials on, like, the jungle planet with, like, the weird lizard fairies, like, I was like, oh, that's a cool-looking lightsaber. Oh, I can make a replica of that down the street at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Cool. This kind of hit me in that, like, all right, like, this is a part of the Star Wars universe that I want to know more about. It's just hard to have that kind of pull into it when it's a new part of the Star Wars universe that I I haven't seen before. Like, yeah, Mandalorian was new, too, but we knew, okay, this is right after Return of the Jedi. Like, we kind of get that time place. Like, this is much more before everything else that we've seen. So it's hard to care about but it. It's, it's after it's after Knights of the Republic. I've, I've never played any of those games, though. My one question is when she's falling and she uses the lightsaber. That, okay, that bothered me a little stops. bit. That's not how it works, right? No, yeah, it should it still should keep steep, cutting down. It should keep cutting through, right? She shouldn't be able Unless to. It's like a very thick material mm, mm, that mm. takes a lot. Her, her master was just telling her how on. brittle those things are. And that's why it was the challenge to get because, to the top to get to the pendant. Because I just watched the prequels, guys. I don't know if you know <laughs> this. But even Qui-Gon, like when he's cutting through the blast doors, once they once the uh Trade Federation drops that second blast door like thing, he can no longer cut through it. So he just has to stick his lightsaber he's... in there and warm it up. And it takes a while to do it. He actually doesn't get through it because the droid decas come through, aka the droid destroy- destroyers. Or rollies. It's the rollies shieldy ones, for those that don't know the names of the droid decas. Those were a pain in, in power banners. Playable on uh, your Sega. Uh, but to, just to wrap it up, I actually I did enjoy this one. Uh, and it's something that I do look forward to reading more of. I definitely enjoy being in this world. I love, I love good Jedi stories. I love Star Wars. I feel bad that I've really have only loved the original trilogy. Clone War, Cartoon, and Rebels, and Mandalorian. Like, those are the only ones that I've really, like, I like what they're doing here. And even even Clone Wars isn't my favorite. I love um, the shorts they did before it became the series. Like, I like those more than I do the actual series. But the actual series had a lot of good, fun stuff to it. I love the idea of the Jedi. I love the idea of the force user and lightsabers, all of that. Have I gotten what I want out of most of these things when it's just Jedis that aren't connected to the original series? No, I haven't. So I'm continually wanting what in my head I want from these stories in this world 
I just haven't gotten them yet. And this is an interesting one where I'd like to see where it goes. And like um, Dr. Alpha, I like Dr. Alpha. It's a story within that world, but it's not, she's not a Jedi. She's not a, she's not wielding the lightsaber and being badass. And that's, that's the thing. Cause she's kind of just the participant in that universe where you see her being sent out on the errands from Vader, where it's like, okay, like I need to go recollect this item or this drop shipment of Imperial credit. So while she's doing stuff that matters to the story, like if you don't know about Afra in the universe, like you, the story goes on the same, but I like that deepening of the story. And I think that's what this is going to be because you're not going to see any reverberations from the high Republic comic book in Mandalorian or was it like the Patty Jenkins, like rogue squadron movie coming out. Like, rogue, rogue squadron. This is just a story for people that want to, dip their toes more into Star Wars or care about the Jedi and want that story. Uh, and I think this does a good job of of that. Even if it wasn't part of a big publishing imprint where there's novels and kids' stories coming out, I'm interested enough that I'm, I'm probably going to pick up number two. I think there's a uh, quote from George Lucas that I, I hope that Lucasfilm and these stories are taking into consideration that this is Star Wars. The past doesn't repeat; it rhymes. I'm probably misquoting it. Yeah, it's it's not that it's just repeating itself, but it rhymes. Like so, we got this Starlight Beacon, which is basically the opposite of a Death Star. It's instead of like it trying to invoke fear, it's trying to invoke hope. To you know planets around it so okay that's that rhymes okay that makes sense to me um and i hope that's what's happening in these stories and i'm i'm gonna go along for the ride why not and i hope really that they you know take some really cool stories and characters from knights of the old republic like dark revan that's the only thing i know about star wars the old republic but guys, do you want to do uh, a power rating? Power ranking. I, I, I did think when Paul was like, my quote from George Lucas would be like, "So Balbo would be good in any movie." Uh, so when when Anakin says, um, "Spinning is a good trick," that's actually uh, a follow up to uh, when he spins around when he's fighting Obi Wan Kenobi because. Uh, Spinning. Oh, That's a good trick. I thought it was funny. Spun out of the, you know, uh, the the tunnel. The uh, oh, it's a Death Star. Uh, well, Star Wars is like poetry, where Falcon. it rhymes. My my George Lucas is almost Fozzie Bear, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but it also works. Uh, so <laughs> my, my my power ranking is number one: Star Wars of the High Republic. Uh, my number two, Superman Metropolis, for some reason. <laughs> uh, number three, Future State, The Flash. Mm. 
Number four, The Eternals. Number five, Nightwing. Number six, Dark Detective. John, do you need a moment? Go for okay. it, Chris. Uh, my number one is going to be Star Wars The High Republic. This is, of all the books in the universe, that I kind of want to see more of. Then my number two is going to be Future State Dark Detective, because the Batman part of it looked really good. Uh, after that, Eternals. Not great, but it was well-written. And then after that, Superman of Metropolis. Then uh, Nightwing. Then The Flash. Star Wars, number one. I'm going to say Superman Metropolis, number two. Okay. I'm going to... If you go Eternals, number three, you're you're syncing up with me. I, yeah, I think I am, but I'm going to go... Number three is Eternals. Yep. Then Dark Detect... Then Dark Detective. Then Flash. Then Nightwing. And I, the Flash book just like, we took a break and I talked to Chris and it's just like, I really like the concept of what would the Flash family do if they didn't have their powers, which would be wield the rogues the rogue's weapons to continue to protect the city. And I, I really like that concept more than a grim and dark Dick Grayson. Maybe, maybe, maybe you you agree. Maybe you don't. Yeah. But I think we all agree. Star Wars, the high Republic. Congratulations on winning January. (laughs) It hardly ever happens, but they did it. We we got a consensus between all True, three of yeah. us. Yeah, that that does not happen often uh, during these lookbacks. So, congrats! Let's put a bonus star next to that book. They win January twenty twenty one. I forgot what year it was. <laughs> Don't blame you. Uh, but hey, if you checked out any of these books, let us know what you thought about them. If you read something we didn't read, let us know. Email us over at bangboardcast at gmail.com or comment on any of our social media presences. We're over on the Facebook, the Instagrams, the Twitters. Let us know uh, what we missed out on or what we should be reading. 